This episode of Road Soda is brought to you by White Castle PCS. White Castle PCS, your favorite fast food restaurant, now offers even faster cell service. Come in for the royal treatment, the sack of sliders and a cell meal. It's the only meal that comes with a smartphone, the Whiteberry. Whiteberry is the fastest fast food smartphone on the market. Unlimited talk, unlimited text, and unlimited taste. White Castle PCS offers cell coverage within 20 yards of all White Castle locations. Text using WhiteTap, and you get 25% off our mouth-watering slider sacks. Come for the sliders, stay for the cell service. White Castle PCS. Welcome! Thank you for joining us on another Road Soda, your 95th Road Soda. There's no turning back now, Greg, you're on a roll! On this episode, we discussed the horn on my head, and people really want to see a monster! I'm Isaiah Cooper, with me is... Greg McGinnis, and we have stories that will make you faint, and the most interesting how-do-you-two-meet story ever. How did you two meet? Welcome to 95. Welcome to 95, everybody. I'm here. Greg's here. We're all here together. This is a wonderful episode. I'm happy to be here. If you guys ever want to mail anything into us, your questions, your comments, uh, if you want a free postcard, you can do all that by just emailing roadsodamail at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. From you. We love knowing you're out there. We'll send these postcards anywhere in the world, to New Zealand. We'll send... That's right. We heard you. You heard us. We'll send them out to New Zealand. Vietnam, perhaps. To Vietnam, out to Malaysia. We'll send them anywhere. We don't care. And we always love to hear from you. Make sure, guys, tell your friends about this podcast. If you think this is a fun podcast, you like listening to it, well, maybe other people would like listening. Don't don't hold on to it. Don't be a road soda hipster. Just show some other people. And... (laughs) Uh, so like, obviously subscribe so you don't you know, you miss a you don't, never miss a, a show. Every Monday we come out, we crack a road soda every single Monday. Follow us everywhere at Road Soda Podcast at Road Soda Podcast at Road Soda Podcast. It's very easy on everything. Um, Greg, up at the top of the show is always like our mailbag kind of thing. You had some interesting cross action happening yes this i thought this was kind of funny i do uh i think both of us at this point uh for odd strange reasons are looking for ways to get commercials in front of us yeah so i happen to be watching yesterday getting home from work dinner everything's done for the night flip on the tv what's on the LPGA Tour. That is the Ladies Professional Golf Association. Mm-hmm. And I saw right at the top of the list on this one particular thing is a girl named Jessica Cordy. She's a professional golfer. But her twin sister also is a professional golfer. They were right up at the top of the list. They And her sister is Nellie mm-hmm. Cordy. So ah, that, hmm. just, that just hit me funny. Jess and Nelly are at the top of the LPGA board. Jeff and Nelly are at the top of the road soda list. That's right. They are at the so they are listeners. There's a group of listeners that are so high up. They're they're basically like fixtures of the show. They're basically cast members of the show. And as far as this show goes on and as far as they listen, they'll be referred to basically like 
how's the show going? I don't know. Let's ask Jeff and Ellie. Jeff and Ellie, how's the show going? Grant, how's the show going? Pick, pick and flick, how's the show going? These people are diehards, and Jeff and Ellie are diehard close friends of ours. And Je- I think that's interesting. The Jess, Jess and Nelly, check you guys out on the LPGA golf tour. I, on a, on a related note, I feel like you guys, even if you haven't golfed, we could probably give Jess and Nelly Cordy a run for their money on the probably, golf course. They're probably not that pretty. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I think they. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, also, guys, this is a very special episode, and you might not know because ninety five sits right. You know, five episodes away from 100, which is obviously a landmark episode for us and for anybody. But this particular episode is a landmark episode for a different reason. Greg, what makes 95 so fucking amazing? We are super psyched about it because this is our 52nd consecutive Monday drop episode. So we've been doing it for a year. Uh, for, that's right. Year. For one year. Yes. That means for the past 52 weeks, there has not been a single Monday that has been missed. If there was a Monday in the last year, there was a road soda on that Monday. And we aim to keep it that same fucking way. We did it for a whole year. And there's no reason why we can't do it for another and another and another. That is 80 hours of road soda. I added up the episodes. We're at 93 minutes an episode. That's 80 hours. We skipped number 65. Diehards know Guy, that. We, yeah, diehards remember that. That production system was fired. Fucking fired. <laughs> and we also did an episode 75A where we did a Millennial Book Club as its own episode. Uh, so we 43 through 64 and then 66 it. to 95. This is number 52. And, you know, it made me think, well, that's a year. How long is a year? Uh, a year. 10,000 minutes. <laughs> How's that go? 1,000. Uh, I whatever. believe that's, that's, from, that's from Rent, right? Oh, you love that show, don't you, love you theater f- loser? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but I did. I did. It, it got me into a little rabbit hole, and I th- I thought this was interesting. I thought you guys might like to hear how long is a year? Because what is a, we know a year? Basically, people say it's a trip around the sun, or did I, I was wondering how the fuck do they know exactly how long a year is? How do you map like an exact? You know, I mean, they have it down to an exact thing. A year is actually. As far as we know right now, I'm sure mm-hmm. in fucking a thousand years they're gonna be like fucking morons thought this is what we're doing. But it's three hundred sixty-five point two four two five days. Mm-hmm. That's how long a year. Is. That's why you have the leap year. That's why you have the leap year. It gets even more fucking intense than that, though. This was identified probably before the Egyptians, because they have people way before that that knew that there was exactly how long the day was, because they have stone shit that like light comes through on the solstice exactly when it's supposed to. I don't know how the fuck they did that with leap years and shit, but maybe it's only good three out of the four so years. Let me tell you something. Uh, ancient astronaut theorist once believed theorist. That <laughs> that's that's the type of thing they use there. He's a theorist. It was a total ancient bullshit thing. Theorist. We grabbed him off the street. Theorististian. <laughs> ancient astronaut theorists say that aliens came down and helped. He's our humans. statistical theorist. You just don't get it. So the Egyptians though were credited with the first ones of doing this leap year thing. Julius Caesar messed around with the Egyptians, if you remember, started banging Cleopatra, recognized, well, you guys are doing it better than we are. Because at that point, prior to Julius Caesar adopting the Julian calendar, which is very close to what we do now, Rome had this fucked up thing where they had 354-day year, where they just had 12 months that went 30, 29, 30, 29, bam. That's not even fucking close. So Mm -hmm. how do you keep spring from fucking 
sliding down the road, right. you do what they called... Uh, what did they A cleanup it? year. No, they... The whole year was just crazy. In, they just... Intercalary chunks. So at the end of February, in some years, they would have an intercalary chunk. That would be 22 fucking days. So it's February 18th. I decree February's going to go on for 22 more days. And then they wouldn't do it some years, and over the course of time... So you just... So sometimes you just got 22 extra days. There was like no. political shit that was in there. People wanted to extend their power so that, you know, it would be like if the politicians right now had a control over, you're out of office at the end of December. How long is December? Well, I do declare. That's a turkulary month. <laughs> of course. They, yeah, exactly. So that's how they did it. So once they got this from the Egyptians, they went, ah, oh, this is way better. So, because this was really interesting to me because it's not that far. They had a 354-day uh, year. And the months just uh, just went 30, 29, 30, 29. Even February was a 29, but then it had this fucking open-ended bullshit. So he went, all right, we're going to make a 365-day month. We're just going to add a day to every month except February, which is already fucked up. So now everything's either 31 or 30. And he went, but Augustus is not going to allow August to be a 30-day weaker month. Mm-hmm. So we're putting a day on August. So August is now going to have a 31st. Where's that day come from? Of course, February, because it's already fucked Fuck up. Fuck February. So now you have... 31-30 alternating, except February being 28 now, because they've taken the day. But now, because August is a 31, and it was alternating 31-30, you can't have three 31s in a month. So they were like, that's not going to... You can't have July, August, and September all have 31 days. That's starting to mess with the cycle a little bit more. We'd really... And he went, fuck it. The last four, just flip-flop them. So instead of September and November being 31s, make October and December the 31s. And right. September and November will be 30s. Right. And that's how the fuck it is right now. But however, they didn't do... The Egyptians were doing the leap year right at this point. They were doing it every four years, which is about as accurate as people mm-hmm. were. Mm-hmm. But the Romans were doing it every three years. Mm. This started in 46 BC, by the way. That's how early... The calendar that we pretty much use right the now... The Gregorian calendar. The, well, it's the Julian calendar when he did this. The Gregorian thing happened in 1582. I'm going to get to that. So I, I just mentioned how they switched all the days. Because they had a leap year every three di- three years, things were getting fucked up. And they were doing this intercalary shit, messing with people's days again. In 1582, they got the science down where they said it's two point it's point two four two five days. So this is how we have to do it. And the guy would tell me what we have to do. Pope Gregory, the Gregorian calendar adjustment, happened in 1582, said, you tell me what I need to tell him and I'll tell him. The scientist said, first off, today is October 4th. We need to skip to October 15th. Done. Those Poof. days never happened. I am October the Pope and I declare that these days would never exist. Tomorrow is the 15th. Tomorrow no is one's getting paid, by the way. No That's one gets right. paid. There weren't no. any days. And then they set it up. And this is still how it is today. There's a leap year every four years, except on the hundredth, the, the flip of the century, every hundred years. So 1600, 1700, 1800, except... Oh, 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 any year that's divisible by 100. That's how they said it. So that's why it's 16, 17. Except those numbers that are also div- that are divisible by 400. Mm. So basically it's saying, we're going to skip a leap year every 100 years. Mm-hmm. But now every fourth one, we're going to still have it. to mm-hmm. keep Because it's it leaks a little bit, and then we pull it back. It leaks a little bit, then we pull it right. back. So 2000 happened to be one of those years. It was a leap year on the 100, mm-hmm. but it's also divisible by 400. Four. So right. we had a leap year. Jesus. And in this system, we only lose a day. We're only a day off every 3,000 years. 
Jesus. So at some point, that's pretty good. They're already talking about leap seconds and shit, trying to keep. They're going. already talking about leap seconds. It's madness. Yeah. But here at Road Soda, we're just happy that we did one whole year. That's how we mark a year: is fifty-two year. episodes. It's fifty-two been episodes, fucking... baby. Scientific. No need for fucking bullshit. That's Road Soda science. Ep- you know what we call that, Greg? It's a Road Soda calendar year. That's right. The Road Sodian calendar. That's easy science, baby. <laughs> This episode of Road Soda is brought to you by Shit Salt. What's the worst part of owning a dog? The shit. Some dogs eat their shit, but not all of them. We are here to change that. I have three dogs. The Shih Tzu is nasty, and the Pomeranian is my princess. The Schnauzer, that's the one that shits all over the house. That had a major impact on my relationship with the dog. Then we got Shit Salt, and the results are awesome. He still shits everywhere, but now he eats them all. Now he's my favorite. He even has his own spot on the bed. Sprinkle shit salt on any existing dog dew in your yard, and our proprietary blend of exotic spices will make that dew virtually irresistible to your dog. Your yard stays clean, your dog stays full, and you save money on pet food. Try it free for 30 days, and at the end of your trial, if you miss scooping shit, we'll give your money back guaranteed. You can even keep that shit salt. Shit salt. Salt that shit. A Popco brand. Breaking in the front door of your stupid house because nobody cares. Because it's the news. News, news. Here's something new, Greg. Newer than the news? Newer. There's nothing newer than the news. Are you aware that people are growing horns? It's been all over the fucking... Growing horns? Yeah, it's been all over the fucking news. Okay, so I... This is not news. It's just... If you have... If you're looking for news, as I do, as we do for the show, we're looking for things. We hunt for news. Dude, I'm hunting for it, right? So I get stuff on, uh, I get stuff directly like when it's posted up. And then if it's something that's big enough, like I, I was reading about the, the spy whales, like the fucking whale that was running around with the USSR fucking st- strapped to it. And then like a week later, it was like on the news because it was big enough for like them to put on the TV. They're like, oh, that's interesting enough to put on the TV. Dude, this one I read about last week. I could have been on our show last week, but I'm like, this is fucking stupid. This is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever... Okay, so what it is, is... And the only reason they're fucking just hamming it up is because of, like, one... And you'll you'll understand why. Ready? So, tech disorder, smartphones, linked to bizarre horn on, on your skull? That's what it is. Oh, that's uh, kind of creepy. So people are having like tumors type things. Right. So you're already like, nom, 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 eating it up, dude. Don't. A bizarre finding by research that sounds like something out of a science fiction plot. People growing horn-like structures on their skulls due to smartphone use. Already. This is, and this is, this is shame. This is by Shane, uh, Shamard Charles, MD. Already. This guy is just stroking the dick of, like, wanting to have his news of, of sensationalism. It's exactly what it is. Because if you read the actual study, which they give links to it, so I did. It was like one guy out of a million people. All, no, every all, all people people are growing horns, but there's there's no test 
as to what is causing it. There's no causation. Uh, uh, there's no correlation does not mean causation it's by any means. That's like rule number one, Mr. M fucking D just be, they, they shouldn't even make the hypothesis in their, in their, their paper as to why they think the horn is there. You're all you're doing is just showing us that people are growing a horn. People your are job, growing horns. Yeah, I have one. But the thing is I, and he, this is why I know this is fucking bullshit. Mine has been there my whole fucking life. I only had a smartphone or a cell phone since I was able to buy one my fucking self. My parents never got me one. So it wasn't until I was in college when I had a smartphone. And I've had this thing on my fucking head my whole life. And that, never, that doesn't discount the fact that... It does. Why? Because they're saying it's from smartphone use. Maybe theirs are. Dude, it's, it's the, it is the thing. Like I've noticed it's, a, it's this on the base of your skull. And there's, there's like images of it um, right there. See? See on the base of the skull how it, it's like supposed to be like a bone spur, and they're saying from people's heads constantly being tilted like this, the tendon is pulling on the base of the, the skull, oh. and it's causing. And it's I was thinking of tumors from like. It's the not a tumor. It's a, it's actual bone. It's a, the actual bone is beginning to create a bone spur, right? Okay. So, judging by how much smartphone use we've had, you and I have generally probably had the same amount of smartphone use. I've only had a smartphone since like 2010, right? So how long have you had an iPhone? It's probably. Or just been, had a phone in general. I was a late adopter, but I late, think like but that even 05, still, maybe 04, well, 05. Even still, so it by that you should have one too. The thing is, I've like I've had one mine as long as I can remember. I've had this fucking thing on the back of mine. I've always thought about it, like what the fuck is that? But so the, by them. And that's why this, it's a sensationalism bullshit. Like, it's on every fucking news because they can tie it to smartphone. It's scare, 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 scare. Everyone's got a fucking phone. How can we fucking frighten everybody more? Because everyone's got a phone. But if you read the research paper, they say, uh, we tested people. And the age group of people that have it is like 18 to, to 89. And there's, um, and then they said, we think it could be from this. They don't. That, that's not what the paper is about. That's not what they're studying. The, the the study was not even done in a way to study that. Like they didn't isolate people. Have you have are you live in a country where you don't have smartphones? Then let's test your skulls. Do you live in a like they didn't? Uh, uh, there was not controls set up like that for this test. All they were doing was taking a cross section of people and seeing if they had a fucking thing on their head. And then they went, it's from fucking smartphones. And then everyone fucking picks it up on the news and goes, smartphones give you horns. It's that's, fucking a, that's not really a horn. I was thinking like... Exactly. Even the fucking words. Even the words are yeah. sensationalized fucking bullshit. Yeah. That hump Dude, thing. I mean, that I could see a little hump forming from like your head being down. Yeah. But, and your head is down and that could be from something. But as from my anecdotal, which is one and an anecdote is a single point of data. My... It's equally Personal. as scientifically use, useful it's useless. as this. It's equally as scientifically it's useless because you need you, you can't use one data point. But I've had mine for as long as I know, and I was I didn't have a smartphone until that point, so my head wasn't cocked at this fucking angle. I had no reason to. I mean, I, I tried to suck my dick a lot, but not that much, right? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> let's not stop there. Don't read those big words. Florida City pays hackers $600,000 to restore hijack network. That is a... These things piss me off. This, if there's anything Greg hates more than scammers, 
It's hackers. The city of Baltimore has been dealing with this for a long time now, this whole year. The whole city of Baltimore. Well, this was yeah. down in Florida, dude. The city council of Riviera Beach, Florida, just paid anonymous hackers $600,000 of ransom money after hackers took control. These people honestly have, like, on... It's like they have insurance for this stuff now. Yeah. Which means it's like it, that's how fucked up it is. It's like you have ins- you buying insurance on it just so you can pay off these hackers because you know it's the only thing you can do is just pay the hackers off. How, is there anyone out there trying to catch these fucking people? I mean, yeah, I'm sure <laughs> like, they are, but we're not having a whole lot of success in catching them. Success in this. I would like to see it be made a much bigger uh, yeah, focus. Yeah, people of- getting bilked out of money, dude, is no joke. I mean, I guess when you when it's like a faceless, it's like a whole city. Nobody like gives a shit. Like, ah, fuck them. It's a whole city. Because how do you pin it? Not one person. I feel like fucked. that's why they're everyone's so excited about blockchain. That's the real reason people mm-hmm. are excited about blockchain. Because it, but I mean, what the fuck? There'll still be a way to fuck with blockchain. There's always going to be a way. There'll to still fucking... be a way, and there'll still be these fucking cunts. There's always going to be. Especially... The only way to stop it really is when we find them to like just fucking publicly exterminate them and everyone they know. Are you to just go it? brutal? So you mean like round them all up? Well, I'm just saying it's worldwide. It's such an epidemic. Maybe this can, is happening a lot. Maybe we can put them in camps. There was some. There was some food pantry. I because I, I have a, a Google alert that's for ransomware, and there's a food <laughs> there's a food pantry somewhere that this happened to when they were like, we're a fucking nonprofit. We just said throw this in the fucking garbage and start over. Start another. We could use uh, new uh, volunteers. They were asking for one Bitcoin or like one and a half like. What is that, like five grand, six It grand? just depends on the market. Right now, it's almost ten. Right now, it's nine grand for one Bitcoin. So they were asking for, you know, nine or ten grand. And they were like, no, we're not doing that. We can go buy fucking nine more fucking Tandy com- gateway computers. Mm-hmm. And we, but we would like help from the community to come and re-input this fucking information and shit. Because yeah, this food's getting moldier than ever. Uh, Jesus Christ, dude. And when they get targeted like that, because it's just railway, yeah, man- ransomware. They just put it out there and whoever bites, bites. It, it, so it totally could be somebody like a non-for-profit food pantry. Mm-hmm. It's like, dude, how you couldn't be fucking a, a, the the worst thing to fuck. Like, if you're gonna steal, why don't you rob from like a bank or something? Like, yeah. don't rob somebody that's like a fucking charity organization. It's fucking ridiculous. Monkey deaths. Can I tell you? In fact, I wanted to put together a thing, and I'm gonna start doing it every week. How? Often people are getting killed by monkeys. All right. First of all, wait not to not to fuck with the flow, but it just something came to me that I read a thing that said there are people that are like the negotiators for these ransom ransomware people, mm-hmm. but they found that in the vast majority of cases, these people are it's taking, those people. Well, maybe <laughs> that are, are that are hackers. Maybe, but what they're actually doing is they just, just paying the ransom. Yeah, they just pay the ransom because the city says we're not paying terrorists. We'll pay these guys. And then those guys pay them. And then these guys give some like, of them. Yeah, we'll which take means care they're paying even more mm-hmm. than if they were paying the ransom. And then still, sometimes, it still doesn't work because they're fucking shitbag, faceless people anyway. I believe we read the same thing. And I, I, I wish we yeah. could change the money that we pay them into bombs. Yeah. And send and them money. And <laughs> blow up. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. That money. That's bomb money, you fool. I'm sorry. So now so, we're talking about dead monkeys. How, not the monkeys aren't dead. The people are dead. No. And it's... It's insane how it's like more often are people killed by monkeys than they are killed by sharks because you live on land with monkeys and not in the water with sharks. And monkeys are pushing people off of buildings and killing people all the fucking time. I feel like I'm more at risk from sharks than monkeys. 
Uh, but I'm not an in, expert. In Sarasota, expert. in Sarasota, you might be, but if you never go in the water, you have a 100% of chance of never being attacked by a monkey. But if you live, if you stay on land... <laughs> if you stay out of the water, you have a 100% you have a chance of not being attacked by a monkey. I mean, by a shark. By a shark. <laughs> but you have a slight chance of being attacked by a monkey because there are monkeys that live wild in Ocala. There's uh, are, you, a, are you forgetting about the Sharknado? That is a real phenomenon. Well, that Sharknado might suck up some of those Ocala monkeys and drop them <laughs> over here. But I'm serious. There are monkeys that live in Florida, and they're remnants. Really? Yeah, they live out. Uh, they live in Ocala. There's a, It's like there's this little preserve. Uh, it's not. Uh, it's not natural. It's by accident that they live there. Uh, they got out from like a zoos zoo or something. from like okay. zoos, like when hurricanes come through. And uh, there's also a story that the Tarzan movie that was filmed in, like the 70s. They like let a bunch out or some bullshit. But there's a group of, of macaques that live in Ocala. So, yeah, you have a pretty good chance of being attacked by a monkey. And those are macaques. Are the I don't know if I, have a, I wouldn't say pretty good chance, but now my shark attack versus monkey thing, now it's a real It's like fucking neck battle. and neck. Yeah. It's neck and neck. But, dude, they, like every week I see lady pushed over balcony by monkeys. Like a horde of monkeys. In, they, she lives in India. They jump down. they fucking sick of her, and they shove her off the fucking... But this guy's... No, they're way more vicious. They, like, rip your fucking nose no, they, off well, and the, bite your face off. This this monkey I'm about to read about did. He did do that. But the ones I'm seeing, they literally just... Uh, a couple weeks ago, they just pushed her off a building. They didn't, like, even... They just jumped on her and, like, shoved her off a building, dude, off a balcony. Jesus. Yeah, dude, they're really smart. They know what they're doing. Uh, pet monkey kills elderly man after being sent up tree to collect coconuts. Well, they like they made him go up and get the coconut. <laughs> yeah, so the monkey. It's fucking cute. You go up there, you fucking old asshole. <laughs> That's right. So this, they had this pet monkey, and they had it pretty well trained. They had it since a baby. They even sent it to monkey school, and uh, the pair had taken the primate to monkey school in order to try and train it to climb trees. And they just wanted it to go up there, basically do their work for him. Like get up there and throw down some coconuts. And the the son was inside, and he he said, "I didn't hear him." Where is this? Malaysia. Malaysia. He said, I didn't hear coconuts hitting... Not Cleveland, it's Malaysia. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah, it's Cleveland, I think it's uh, just outside of Toledo, Malaysia. <laughs> there, he, he said he was inside and he didn't hear any coconuts hitting the ground. And he didn't hear his dad and he didn't hear the monkey. And he's like, that kind of weirded me out. So he so went... I said what I always say in that situation. You fucking monkey better get those fucking coconuts <laughs> I better I better hear those coconuts hitting the ground or I'm going to come out there and fuck you up. And I went out there with my monkey beating stick to ready really to beat the shit ready out of this to beat monkey. the shit out of this monkey. When I saw my 72-year-old dad laying on the ground motionless, the monkey had bit him in the wrist and bit him so deep the guy bled out. He was he just the the 72-year-old guy just like fucking lay down and just bled out to death and the monkey was like right there and he went up to his dad to try to like what the fuck and the monkey attacked him too and bit him in the neck. And by some, but he screams. And by the time anyone shows up, like his dad was already dead, and they just got him the fuck out of there. His dad just, dude, the monkey just ran. Monkey, off. I don't know what happened. Like they, I think it shows a video of them caging up the monkey, and they're probably gonna turn it into some kind of stew. Maybe I don't know. Whatever you do with monkeys, uh, but dude, it's I'm Coconut telling you, camps. if there's, I just, I, I like our our show is gonna be. It's about giving messages, sending messages to the younger generation. You don't want a monkey. Don't fuck monkeys, with the monkeys. Don't fuck with monkeys. All I see all day in this line of work, I'm holding up quotes, is monkeys kill people day after fucking day. If there's anything you should be afraid of, it's not sharks. It's monkeys. Here's a, here's a children's book I'm envisioning by Isaiah Cooper. Two little monkeys jumping on the bed. Get the fuck out! Everyone's gonna be murdered. Everyone get out of here! Exterminate the monkeys! 
Uh, how about delivery driver was killed after monkey slur? How about let's just don't hang out with real monkeys and don't use the word monkey because it's just touchy. Uh, Durban, this is uh, in Durban, more than 30 e-hauling food delivery drivers held a silent protest outside the KFC in Florida Road yesterday. This would be like Uber Eats people or... Yeah. Yeah, basically. And they're outside of KFC. Demand justice after a driver was killed on Tuesday night. Cedric Musanara. Uh, I'm sorry, where is this again? This was in Durban. I think it's some other country. It's like Africa or some shit. Well, it's not in America. No. Okay. Although the, the word does say it's in South Africa. Although the word okay. uh, does say Florida Street, Florida Road. It did have, and it was a KFC on Florida Road. They may, probably uh, named it that. Anytime Cedric, fucked up shit yeah. happens, they name it Florida Road. That's right. It's Florida's got to be in there somehow. Cedric Musanera, Musanera, 33, originally from Burundi, a takeaway driver for an e-hauling food delivery company, died in Addington Hospital about an hour after being shot outside a KFC. Musanara's friend, uh, Desiree Quizora, I should have tried to read these names a little better, said he had been in South Africa for more than 10 years, explaining the altercation that led to the shooting. There were clients behind him who were fetching their orders. His order was ready to collect as it was a pre-order. As they were serving Cedric, the guy behind him asked the cashier... Why are they serving the monkey first? Jesus. And that angered Cedric. <laughs> Kuzari said the man was escorted out of KFC by security and Musanara went out to his motorbike. He said while Musanara was at his motorbike, he was shot. By Cedric, that same guy? But I'm, I'm assuming. Cedric was not a short-tempered person. He was just a normal guy, very friendly and always laughing, he said. Kuzar urged police to ensure the suspect was arrested soon. We want justice. Yeah, dude, this guy didn't do anything. He was literally in here. He was in there getting his food. It was a pre-order. He was picking it up. The KFC was like, the, uh, somebody, he, this guy was like a dick and said, hey, why are they serving this monkey? And then KFC was like, dude, you gotta get the fuck out of here. You can't do that shit. And then he waited outside and killed the guy. Why don't you shoot up KFC? Does it actually say in the article that that was the guy? Or they say they don't know what happened or what? I mean, we're, who else is it going to be that's going to Well, what's the vigil up? for? Is it because they haven't done anything to this guy? or? Well, no, the, yeah, they're, they're the protest. Yeah, I guess they're they're protesting outside of, of KFC. Cedric was shot, not short-tempered person. He wants justice to be done for our brother. He said he hoped that the video footage of the incident would, be, would provide police to assist the investigation. Yeah, I mean, that was the guy, they just, in protest about it, they just, I don't know, it's a racist fucking thing. People don't like the racism out there, who does, right? Well, fuck, man, yeah, you're gonna call a guy a sir, then go out front and shoot the fucking guy. And then fucking, yeah, that's gonna, fucked up. That's not good. Yeah, it's really fucked up, so don't, uh, it's pretty crazy. Africa is, or I'm South Africa. I'm not sure Africa. how I feel about that segue from that one story to the next, but. Why? Oh, because I have a, I have, um, I have, if you, so if you're, if you're gathering anything, I have, I have the word monkey set as a Google alert. And I get that's I get a lot of racist stuff on there because that's a common term for racism, like that Chinese lady who called those black guys monkeys. It's really pretty fucked up. I'm not out there looking. I just want actual stories about monkeys because I think that's you know real monkeys are pretty fun and funny. <laughs> but but well, I'm they're killing old guys and their kids. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I want that type of fun shit. Not <laughs> the fun stuff. Not this racist stuff. That's weird. Uh, how about let's move into some more fun thing real quick. Uh, Young boy strangled on monkey bars. 
Hey, that's right, because all my things have to do with monkeys. This is what kind of strange things do people bring with them to test drive? It's uh, the perfect fit. Most bizarre things car buyers have brought to test drive from a horse to a dead relative's ashes. So when buying a used car, there's plenty to consider before deciding which model is right for you. And often the best way to see if you're comfortable in a vehicle is taken uh, is to take it for a test drive. But some motorists took comfortable a little far trying to uh, try out a new set of wheels. So they went and they asked, it was, this was in the UK, and they asked a bunch of different car dealers. They said, what's some really weird shit that people brought with them to test drive their cars? And uh, one of them was a guy brought a lucky egg, right? Uh, one guy... Doesn't sound all that crazy. That's not that, that crazy, is. but still anything you bring with you, like, this is my lucky egg. I'm like, all right. It's still kind of weird, right? Because right. not any anyone else isn't bringing lucky Especially stuff. Especially if it's like an actual fucking egg. egg. Yeah, I know. Is it painted or it's just a white egg? You just pull a new egg out every time you're going. Uh, a horse. A horse. He brought a whole horse. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Does Maybe it? he was buying a truck. Yeah. And he wanted to like put the horse in the back of the truck or something. That was a sedan. A <laughs> sedan. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, do you like it? A rifle? Guy brought a rifle with him. Jesus. Maybe that's just how he does business. Also, that's weird because guns are real touchy in, in the UK, so you're not really allowed to have guns. Uh, a 12-foot pet snake. I want to make sure Fifi fits in it. Uh, an accordion, two parrots, a mattress. A mattress. Uh-huh. Now, that's, that's something. Just think about the logistics of getting that to a test drive. What's that for? Just to see... Just I to see What? Just to see! Oh, we're going to be here a while. <laughs> now strap this baby on. What, strap it to, onto what? Uh, slippers? How about a, trun, a trunk eye on? Do you know what that is? A truncheon? Trunch? I know maybe, what it maybe is. Maybe like a trunk? It's like a billy club. I just don't know how to say the word. Okay. It's like a weird billy club that you'd see like a bobby wearing. You know, with the bobby humming. Hoo-hoo! I mean, I'm a British police officer. I mean, on that list, that's not so crazy. It's but, not. It's not crazy. But any pet, forget about a parrot or a fucking horse, like what? Or a 12-foot snake? Incredibly, a number of dealers reported customers bringing in the ashes of their dead relatives. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle David always did want a Honda Civic. Plenty of musicians brought their instruments along to make sure they could fit, along with a mattress and a lucky egg. Some others even equipped with weapons, including a rifle and a truncheon. The, the instrument shit. thing fits. I get yeah. that. The rifle guy, maybe he just wanted to see if he could get it in the trunk. I mean, if you got a gun and you're like shooting at a range or whatever, you don't want to get to buy a car and bring it home and be like, oh, yeah. fuck, it's like five inches short. I'm going to have to like caddy corner it. Or, yeah, this guy wanted to see if his the 12-foot snake was just to see if it fit in the trunk. Jesus. I just need to see if a, 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 a body between f- uh, 5'6 and 6 foot can fit in there. No, this is not my kid. But it's about an average twelve-year-old kid. So let's get in there, Tommy. I'll give you three bucks. Just want to check. I just this want out. to see if this kid, if the kid fits. Even for those uh, more conventional requirements, we'd still encourage taking along items to ensure a car fits. Yeah, of course you got to do that. But anyway, here's your news for the day. Nice new news. Hi, Percy Mays here with Ultra Screen Clean. You know my brother Billy is dead, but you might not know how he died. Filthy cell phone screen. 
Ultra Screen Clean is the only filth fighting product that harnesses the cleaning power of Swedish algae. Think there are a lot of germs on a homeless guy's taint? Of course there are. But right now, your cell phone has five times more filth. So if you want to keep using your face as a park bench, have at it. But if you want an ultra clean cell phone and to not die like my brother, Ultra Screen Clean is the answer. My name is David Potter. I tried a lot of different products before this one, and my life totally sucked. But then I came across this one, and I am so happy. I literally cream my slacks on a regular basis. But wait, there's more. If you order now, we will send you an extra month supply free. Ultra Screen Clean, a Popco brand. Greg, why don't you 95 us? 1995. Uh... Did you know that 1995 was the first year that the internet was became privatized? The government funding for the whatever the hell it was called before was gone. Like done, no yeah. more. Now get it out there to everybody else. You know, I didn't know that. I, I maybe I did. I think the internet is completely. I've looked into it before. I forget what the deal is, but there's like a little nonprofit that nobody ever thinks of because we just think of the www as like water or something like it's a natural. It is, well, that's what, how they're how. They are but they thinking get, of it now. Is yeah, it's a as a utility, mm -hmm. which it should be thought of as a utility. Which it should be. There's a lot of you know this net neutrality thing is going to fuck us all, and it's already starting to go the way. But I digress. Mm -hmm. 1995, it just became privatized. It hasn't had a chance to fuck us like it has since. Right. Um, some tough stuff happened in 1995. This was interesting to me. Think about this date: 1-17-95. Okay. The Great Kobe earthquake. Huge okay. fucking earthquake. It hit right in the the city of Kobe. Like, it went right... There's a fault line oh, the right beef. there. That's where they do the beef. All that beef! Right. That they, They're all drinking and... What do they feed them? Beer and, like, just... They feed them hops and uh, that's pretty much it. They massage them, apparently. They're like veal. Basically, beef veal. Well, veal is baby. Veal is veal is a baby cow, but they also don't get to move, and they're fed. Like they rich they let them move, but they like just how they take care of them is like they keep them happy. I think there's they're like actually on this idea that a mood affects them, and they keep them. They massage them, and they feed them uh, hops and all this other kind of stuff. There you go. Yep. Well, it's also so, a certain breed of cow too. So this was a huge earthquake, though. It really, it killed uh, between fifty five hundred. And 6,500 people. This is in Japan in 95. So this is not like some rural area where like a bunch of stone houses crumbled. I saw some video on it. It's It was pretty fucked up. It, mm -hmm. it lasted a really long time. There were a lot of after effects. Like the whole harbor on that particular island has been, you know, because they got no place to go but up or out. Right. So I saw like a computer overlay. There's a cool video. If you look up the Kobe earthquake, you see this cool overlay video they do with how much of the harbor is actually man-made. They just dump fill right. and they put shit on it they said the aftershocks on the actual land were pretty heavy and they lasted the, the earthquake itself lasted for like 30 seconds on this shit which there's a lot of stuff built up on it uh -huh. it went on for like 3 minutes and that stuff got totally fucking devastated there's like buildings across fucking major roads they had a like a road like a on ramp that's got like these big you know footings underneath it whole fucking thing just tipped over it was mm -hmm. like serious shit so it really um yeah, really fucked with J J Japan's economy because there was a lot of money, a lot of people died. Also, it made them reevaluate their uh, approach to building techniques. They do a lot of different things now with like rubber underneath mm -hmm. the footings and certain things, and not testing the waters on some of the stuff like they did because you know obviously they're really crunched because the landmass itself is 
good size for the people, but there's not a lot of low, flat land. Mm -hmm. So that's why everything in Japan is, like, compact. And they're also, like, super um, on board with, like, not venturing out into stuff that's already, like, kind of preserved for nature and whatnot. Like they, they really uh, probably, are, but yeah. I feel like the the main issue is that the buildable flat shit is there's right. it's only like twenty percent of the, absolutely of the land masses, so that's why they're so tightly compact, and um, it just changed the way they do things. So now every year, because they did have this huge volunteer movement, as you do in any huge catastrophe, you know whether it's nine eleven or a fire or an earthquake or whatever, people come together and help help people out just out of the goodness of their heart. And they do a thing every year now in Japan. Uh, it's like that, whatever that week is, they commemorate 117 by doing a huge out volunteer. Uh, you know, people just all about volunteerism for that week, mm -hmm. which is kind of nice. Good. Yeah, it's a nice story. I mean, obviously, it started with a bunch of deaths, which is sad. Bunch of deaths. Um, so then this happened in January on the 17th. In February. The United Kingdom's oldest investment banking firm, Barings Bank, collapsed because of one rogue trader. I don't know if you've ever heard about this story before, but it's kind of a bigger story. This guy, Nick Leeson, was like their hot dog trader. He made him a lot of money, <laughs> so they kind of loosened up the regulations for him in the early 90s. Mm -hmm. And then in 1992, now because now that this happened, they've been able to look back. He literally fucking made the oldest bank, investment bank in London insolvent had to shut their fucking doors wow they were probably open since like 1748 or whatever and he fucking and he fucked, fucked them, them in their ass and not on purpose uh what happened was um it was as a goof he was no he was making really big money being like this hot shot and then starting in 1992 he had some he had some issues and so he found a way to hide some of his losses and then he started doubling back you know doubling down on shit and in 1993, they saw that in 92, he started having problems. And this is where it really started. In 93, though, he made a couple of huge bets that paid off. And he actually was back in the clear. Mm -hmm. He could have fucking been like, whoa, I almost fucked things up. I'm good. No, but then he was right back then. Because he's the flying guy. Flying his plane around the sun. Exactly. He's the <laughs> superstar guy. And he started doing it. And this earthquake had a lot to do with what finally brought it down. Because he made some of these bets that you do. They have these... Different ways we can cover your upside. You know, you can cover your downside and minimize the upside, but it'll it'll work out. And he did a thing called straddling the Japanese stock market. So basically, he was betting it just either way, as long as it didn't move far from where it was, he was going to be okay. He put a lot of money on it. Yeah. This fucking earthquake happened on the 17th. He comes Which in the next morning. threw it all. It fucking fell. Obviously, it just dropped off. So now he's out so much money, like, he's not just going to be able to win this back. He's doing mm -hmm. all this shit. Because he was such a hot shot, by the way, and he'd climbed into such a big position, normally there's there's a job of basically one guy makes the wants to make the trade, and the other guy has to execute it. Mm -hmm. So they have a little check and balance. But because this guy was so white hot, they were like, hey, you do whatever you want. So he was coming up with the ideas and executing the trades, so he was could do a lot of shit that could get him in trouble. Yep. So long story short... His losses ballooned to over 200 million pounds mm. uh, by 1994. And then the beginning of the end occurred on January 16th, 1995, the day before this fucking earthquake, when he fucking said, they call it a short straddle. Basically, as long as this thing doesn't move, we're going to make a little piece. We're selling like risk to people, and it's not going to come through, and then I'll take it back, and we'll make whatever. He was probably doing shit like that all the time. Because yeah. it's like a really low-risk... 
making a lot of not a lot of money, but you know a good amount of money. If you're putting millions in, you can make a little piece with minimal risk. Then something like that happens, you're fucking done. So he left a note. <laughs> he left a note reading, "I'm sorry," and fled to Singapore. <laughs> And the they when they finally calculated the losses, it was over one point four bill, Ugh. twice the bank's available. Is the, that in pounds? That was U.S. one point four bill. Okay. It was eight hundred twenty-seven million pounds at that point. That was what the exchange was. Mm-hmm. Twice that that number that was twice the bank's available trading capital he had lost. Twice the amount. So I'm sorry. They had to fucking close down. You were enough to. How sorry. did they not get somebody just to kill him? Yeah, I mean, by then, all the people with the money, are, it's lost. There's not much you can do. And you're going to pay more money now to have him killed? Maybe he was killed. I don't know. I didn't follow up on yeah, it. Yeah, where is he now? Is he not fucking six feet under? How is he not dead? So then, I don't know. We'll have to do a follow-up on Nick Leeson. In March, this is another thing that caught my eye, because you don't hear about this a lot. March 20th, there was a sarin gas attack on this Tokyo subway. Members a lot of, of shit in Japan, huh? M- members of the Ayum Shinriko religious cult. Mm-hmm. They were like a doomsday Japanese cult. Yeah, dude. Jap- cults in Japan are uh, there. There's a million of them. It's like the most. The, it's like well, it's not if you're looking I was aware at of. if you're like yeah yeah. Uh, so there's like you know we have our cults here in America and oh there's a cult, but it's like there's a lot of cults and they're all over the place. They're popping up all the time. In fact, there's podcasts that only deal in just Japanese cults because there's so many of them. To this day, always has been a million Japanese cults. Well, this one released sarin gas on five subway trains that was coordinated attack in Tokyo, killing 13 people and injuring 5,500. They actually arrested a bunch of the guys, including the leader, like shortly after. But, be, you know, death row takes a long time. They actually just hanged 11 of these guys in 2018. Jeez. They're still July. using hangings. Yeah. In Japan. They don't have a... Haven't you heard of electricity or... Ayum Shinri- Shinrikyo is a Japanese doomsday cult founded by Shoko Asahara in 1984. They did another sarin attack later that year and another smaller one the previous year. They so what, what, was their, what was their deal? Why were they doing sarin attacks? Why were they killing people? Um, he had an interesting, I did actually look into it. He had this, he like put a bunch of things together, like the actual Catholic shit and Buddhist shit. And then of course he had his little, the spaceship's going to come for us thing. He, Always. He patchworked a bunch of shit together. Oh, that's what they usually do. Yeah. And then they're so, it was pretty weak And then actually. they're so charismatic and everyone loves them so much. They can just they say just, whatever they want. Now everyone suck my dick at once. Let's go kill somebody now. Ah! Yeah. It's like the whole thing. Always. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty bad. Um, so that's March. April was a big deal for uh, the Oklahoma City Federal Building. That was when that big bomb went off. Uh, Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols. You remember those names? Those guys. Yeah, they were big. They were in. Um, I think Timothy McVeigh was in. No, it was Terry Nichols was in Bowling for Columbine. That um, Mike Moore movie mm-hmm. about the Columbine shooting. And I remember he interviewed that guy. That guy's a fucking whack job. Mm-hmm. 168 people killed, including eight federal marshals and 19 children and 680 wounded. That was another one where they, I believe they drove a van underneath and fucking, they really Blew fucked that building up, dude. They Not only to blow the bottom part up, but like a lot of the facade in the front fucking came down. Mm-hmm. That was that was pretty fucking hardcore. That was April 19, 1995. Mm-hmm. Uh, August 1995... Microsoft released an iconic product. Can you guess Windows. what it might have been? Windows. What year Windows? 95. 
Dude, when I had a computer, queued up. You moved to Windows ninety five. It was fucking night and day. It was so awesome. Mm -hmm. It was so awesome to move to fucking Windows. Oh yeah. And I remember that ninety five. I had it for a long ass time. I really liked fucking Windows ninety five. That was a big deal. Uh, And then in October, on October third. Thank you, thank you, Bill Gates. Thank you, Bill Gates. October third of ninety five. O.J. Simpson is found not guilty of double murder. That was in 1995. That started some shit. Mm-hmm. That started a whole odd racial situation in America that I don't think existed before as blatant as it was where everyone was saying white people only wanted to see the black guy fry. Right. And black people were saying whether he did it or not, some contingent anyway, was saying you know, we deserve a guy to get off, mm-hmm. basically. Because a lot of people I've talked to said, yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious he did it, but a lot of white dudes are fucking doing shit and get off all the time. It's only fair. And um, I don't know. who's. It's it's kind of a complicated issue, but I feel like that's, that's one of those debates that still swirls today. Maybe it's always been around, but it's centered a lot of stuff on that now. Because the fucking OJ thing is very fucking polarizing. Mm-hmm. Very weird. fucking polarizing. It's a weird one. It's just money. It's how much money do you got? It, that's it. It's always been a fucking class thing, how not much a race wanna, thing. Yeah. How much you want to... How much money you got, buddy? November 4th, Israeli Prime Minister Itzhak Rabin is assassinated at a peace rally. This is a big deal because he was killed by an Israeli guy who was not happy with what he saw were overly uh, giving concessions in the peace talks. In 1994, Rabin won the Nobel Peace Prize along with Shimon Peres and Palestinian leader Yasser Arafat. They had signed a peace treaty with Jordan in 94. They were making some good headway. And then he was assassinated by extremist Yigal Amir, who opposed the terms. He was an Israeli guy that said, no, we're not giving those fucking Palestinian motherfuckers shit. Mm-hmm. That was kind of a big deal. That, that set things back. And now he's kind of like the... Well, one of, but he's one of the biggest, I think, martyrs in the Israeli-Palestine conversation, you know, which is kind of one of these ongoing things. Uh, In lighter news, in November, the first ever ever full-length computer-animated feature film is released by Pixar and Walt Disney Pictures. What is that film? Toy Story. Toy Story started this revolution of these kick-ass fucking cartoon movies that we get now every year. Yeah. Every year by DreamWorks, right? Every year, DreamWorks and Pixar and there's others. And apparently, too. I guess the uh, the the list of movies that they were going to make, or the foresight of the movies they were going to make, was all the way it was planned out at length, ad nauseum, all the way from Toy Story. There's like nods to movies that like Monsters Inc. that came out years later, almost decades later, after. Um, <clears throat> after that movie came out, after Toy Story came out, but there's not there's nods and there's little Easter eggs in Toy Story that all point to those movies being made. Oh, Which really? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Mm-hmm. It was definitely a big deal movie. That's, oh, why, I thought, that's movie. why I thought to put it in, because that's a, like a new era in oh, cartoon yeah. movies. You look back at the old Disney movies before that. That took them like they five years to make it. And they're like, that's when the back when those 3D movies that used to take them years to fucking make them. Like it yeah. took a whole fucking house of like Chinese slaves to fucking make these things. Now Basically. They, now they fucking crank them out. On Nickelodeon every couple days. They release them every year. 
but maybe they're starting four years ahead. Maybe they already know what the next five years are going to be because they're all they, in production. They don't, they don't take as long as they fucking... No, I'm sure they don't take <laughs> as long. <laughs> they're not that hard to make anymore. So now this, this is an interesting story to me because I felt like I wanted to look into it. So this is what the story was. On December 20th, American Airlines Flight 965 crashes into a mountain near Buga Valley del Caca, Mm. Columbia. After the, the Buga Valley del Caca Mountain. The, they they said the pa- the pilot, the, the the crew, I guess, the pilot and the co-pilot were not relying enough on the automatic shit, mm-hmm. and they were off course, and they thought... Shut up, I know how to fly this plane. Coming out of the clouds. Well, they actually said part of it was they were kind of rushing, because, you know, people got to land on time, and they got to land there so they can get the fucking food and fuel, so they can take back off. And they said, ah, we'll just shut this off. I know where we're at. And they come out of the clouds and they're like, fuck. That was a mountain. Right out of mountain. So <laughs> Is that Mount Titicaca? 164 people on board, including them. Four people survived, though. Because it looks like they hit the front of the plane, like snapped off, and was not didn't fucking fireball like the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Because all the people that survived, I started looking. I was like, I want to know... What seat was I? And I want to get that seat. I'm, I want that seat. Well, not so much about that, but I'm always interested in, like, when people survive a plane crash like that, it's not like a Cessna that landed in a guy's yard, and people walk away from those sometimes because they can land it. This is a fucking 30-ton, or whatever the fuck they weigh, fireball type. People don't walk Screaming away from Screaming pile of steel. The thing the was sky. six miles in the air for fucking 2,000 miles, and it hits mm-hmm. the ground in an unexpected way. People don't Hit walk away. Hit a mountain. Hit a mountain. But four people lived. A guy and one of his kids... But he had other his wife, his like mother in law. There was like and a couple of cousins. So he, him and his wife, his daughter lived, and she was really little. So that's cool. They were sitting each, next to each other up front, and a row behind them, this lady, uh, Mercedes Ramirez Johnson, was sitting there. So I look, I, I wanted to look and see like anything cool happening with these people. And I found in 2007, I found an article about this woman. These fucking losers are, are managers at Walmart. She's no, her. She's an actual really fucking cool story. So the other person that survived was a guy named Mauricio Reyes. Mm-hmm. So now I read this article in 2007. I'm looking up to see if I can find anything on Mercedes Ramirez. She is alive and well. She actually now is a motivational speaker. Does well for like 6,500 bucks a pop. She talks about her fucking experience and how this is like her second life. Mm-hmm. And in this story, as she's talking, she's on this plane. She's sitting next to her mother. She's attached. She's a student at this point in college. And there's a guy in the next row over across the thing. And the mother starts make, trying to be matchmaker. She's like, oh, my God, Mom. I'm like already hooked up. I don't need you to help me with this guy. She goes, I'm going to switch seats. So she switches seats and goes behind and sits next to her dad. Her dad is a guy named Benjin, Benjamin Ramirez who was a fucking pro wrestler for like 30 years. The, he was the mummy, was his name. I don't, it Not was, ringing any bells, Greg. Yeah, he wasn't like a huge... So they play musical chairs to give her the seat that doesn't kill her. And she doesn't die. All right, I get where you're going. I've read this book before. But the guy that she was... When she wakes up, she talks about how she's like, I thought I was like in my hotel room and I was just groggy. I Like I everything was gone and I'm looking around, holy shit, I'm in a plane and there's a guy trying to help me out. Who's the guy? It was the guy her mother was trying to set her up with. Mm. Also he was, lived. Only four people lived. This guy and his daughter. And by the way, the wife of, between the guy and the daughter was right in the middle. She's dead. The guy and his daughter survived, which is kind of weird. Something must have fucking... Mm-hmm. You never know, right? I don't mm-hmm. know. And then this lady and that guy are the only ones that survived. Mm-hmm. So he helps her out, of course, in a situation like that. You get married. 
Oh, they're married. They're now. married. She's very successful as a motivational speaker. She's all over the country doing these, probably you know, talking to companies, papping people up. You can have a second chance, make it count, all that. And that was that article I was, was in a plane crash. You stupid motherfucker. That article was from 2007. So I said, I don't know. Are they still together. If you look on her website for the motivational speaking thing, she's her still... Her whole business crumbles if they're not. Of course they're still fucking together. Okay, I can't speak to whether the marriage <laughs> is, is beautiful or it's not, not. But they are still married. Yeah, but they're still married. I almost wonder if maybe they have a child with like a disability or something. Because Mercedes, her husband, and their children reside in the Dallas, Texas area and are dedicated to philanthropic support for the National MPS Society. An organization that provides research, grants, and support to families living with terminally ill children. So maybe that's like a sad caveat. Usually people that are really heavily into that have a direct connection to it. So maybe, you know, they went through all... But still lucky to be alive. Mm -hmm. Still she sounds like she's got something cool going. Her dad was a fucking cool wrestler, the mummy. She survives. The guy that she was trying to... Her mom was trying to hook her up with lives through the thing. And now here they've been married for... That was 95. This is 20... Four years later. So you're telling me her mom was trying to hook her up with a guy that was married? No. Oh. He's he was um like twenty oh, oh, some other guy. Oh, you said four people. Guy and his daughter. Yep. And then another and then guy. This guy. Okay, I got it, I got it. And her. Yeah. She was trying to hook her up with him and then they end up both surviving. That's crazy. Good. What's this guy doing? What's that girl doing? The guy and his daughter? Dollar General fucking... Couldn't find anything on him. <laughs> Dollar General manager. I don't know, but it always makes me think when people live through a car crash. you ever see that movie with Jeff Bridges? I can't pull the name of it, but he survives a plane crash, and then he has this crazy break in his brain. He was like, I can't be killed. I think it's called, like, Untouchable. Unbreakable? Not M. Night Shyamalan movie? <laughs> no. <laughs> but whatever it is, he feels like he can't die, so he's, like, constantly, like... Smashing his car into walls and like, dude, you're gonna fucking die. You're not right. like a god. He's like, I lived. I could fucking live. And they're like, you're allergic to strawberries. And he's like, I'm gonna fucking house this whole bowl of strawberries. And they're like pulling it from him. And then there's like a big, you know, big uh, cathartic thing at the end where maybe he would actually die. And he finally, I don't know. It was an interesting movie. Interesting concept. You almost die, so now you're like hell bent on fucking. Testing I always it. think of it if, if you almost die or like a life is granted to you, or given to you, handed to you. I've always seen like, oh, somebody sacrificed their their life for yours in some way, and I always thought, where are those people? How do they how do they spend that life? How do they spend that blood that was given? However, whatever it was, like there's people, there's stories where legitimate people passed away and died so that you can live. And I'm always like, dude, you better not end up just fucking working out. Like, that would drive me insane. Like, anything I did is not good enough. Like, I can't waste my life working at fucking McDonald's. This guy like died in, for me. Like in Saving Private Ryan. That guy looked like a fucking schlub. Saving Pri Private Ryan at the end. Remember? Private Ryan. He goes, he's crying. He's like, tell the gravestone I was a good guy. I don't know, dude. It doesn't look like, you know, you should be like a fucking rock star. You gotta go, yeah. All those dudes died. Mm -hmm. Right? The Italian guy, the Jewish guy, the big guy. I didn't guy. see the movie. I'm not. You never saw Saving Private Ryan? No, let's not get into it. Motherfucker. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. Ed Talks. Ideas to have. Listen to the most visionary people explain their visions on the Ed stage. Like Rance McGarvenstein, inventor of shit salt. I hated cleaning my dog's shit up just as much as the next guy. But I noticed that my dog ate his shit. 
but he didn't eat every shit. So I thought to myself, why doesn't he eat every shit? Could it be the taste of the shit? So then it hit me. Maybe that shit needs a little salt. And then he'd eat every shit. Shit salt. What a concept. Get this complete Ed Talk and more at edtalks.com. Millennial Book Club. Millennial Book Club. Marvelous Bunt Cake! Here we are again with the Millennial Book Club, the NBC, the segment where we just watch Netflix originals. We choose them one week, you watch it throughout the week, and then you come back and we all talk about it. If you ever want to send your reviews to us of the shows that we're watching on Netflix, the originals, the Netflix originals, you can send those reviews to roadsodamail at gmail.com. This week we don't have anything to read, so let's just jump right into whatever it is. We're always going to ruin it, so you got to watch it, or we're just going to ruin the whole thing. This one is historical roast. What'd you think, Greg? Uh, you know, it was what I expected. There was some funny lines in it. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's uh, totally for me, but I like the roast thing. It's it's a interesting. I like more when they're roasting someone that actually should be roasted. I feel like yeah. Prior to this show, they just started shoehorning anyone that might have some cachet in. Like I don't want to see Miley Cyrus fucking roasted. So who do you think should? What do you mean by should be roasted? Like who do you think are the people? I don't know. Like I mean, I I was I liked Donald Trump being roasted, or like um, you know people that are just risque personalities that deserve to have someone fucking with them. You don't think Miley Cyrus deserves to have someone fucking with her? I maybe she does, but just not in that format. I don't know. Maybe I'm not properly putting my finger on it, but it's that kind. What about Justin Bieber? How about Justin Bieber? Shouldn't he have someone fucking with him? I heard actually that he challenged um, Tom Cruise to a cage match. Did you you make it sound like somebody whispered that in your ear, is like, that a, apart from everyone else. Well, I didn't know if that was like an actual news thing. Or it was. He did. He tweeted it to Tom Cruise. He said, "I'll take you in an MMA fight." And then almost immediately, Conor McGregor said, "And McGregor, I can't remember what it's like. McGregor Industries. It's not. It's like McGregor, whatever his company name yeah. will host this fight." And and then he also and then McGregor called out some ridiculous person too and he's like and if and if on that same card i'll fight i don't fucking know muhammad atta i don't fucking know <laughs> he just uh whoever it was he i can't remember who, who he was but the whole thing was i did not hear about it i thought maybe it was like a little snippet loss there's so much news i don't know if that was a blip or like a oh yeah, it was a real tweet he really whether it was like a friend of his grabbed justin bieber's phone and, and made that tweet or whether it was a real fucking tweet it was still tweeted and it really can't take it back. Once really? it's been tweeted, that's the law of 2019. It really, you can't is. untweet shit. Can, hey kid, hey, listen, look at me. You can't untweet shit. Can't untweet it. You're about to hit tweet. <laughs> Don't hit the tweet button unless you want it. And what are you going to tweet about historical roasts? What are you going to tweet? What are you going to tweet about historical roasts? I think I'm on the same. Uh, we're riding the same boat, floating in the same ocean. As far as uh, it's pretty much exactly, it's a roast. If you're into roasts, I'm always fascinated by roasts. 
the because it's always such a fascinated. Yeah, That's an interesting choice of words. Because it's a it's a type of comedy that I don't feel I'm strong at. So I watch it with the eye of these people are are very quick witted and they're obviously this isn't a good showcase of that because this is all so scripted and so written. It's like you know some of the people that I have like John Stamos isn't writing that shit. I mean he's obviously gonna like kind of change it to how he might do it as John Wilkes Booth, but he's not writing that stuff. And I, even in normal roasts, those people aren't. I think they each have like a team of writers. Like you write it and ask whoever you want to help you punch it up, right? Right. So, um, but even still, like when it comes to the actual art of roasting. Yeah, I'm fascinated by it because it's not something like my mind when I'm my humor mind doesn't naturally and as quickly go to those things as those people do. It's like roasting. What I what I did like and I didn't I didn't think of until I was watching it is I like the 3D aspect or whatever you want to call it where it's you know it's Jeff Ross. Uh, so the first one was Abraham Lincoln played right. by Bob Saget. Yes. John Stamos plays John Wilkes Booth. Mm-hmm. So there's like the real life who they are. Yeah. Shit that they did that they're dressing up like these characters. Jeff Ross is the guy putting on a Netflix show. It's very self-referential and mm-hmm. like I feel like maybe in some segments there were more jokes about Full House and the fact that John Stamos <laughs> and Bob Saget did that yeah. than anything to do with the actual costume. So they can make fun of what's happening in front of you. The costumes, the actual time, the real lives, like and just kind of play on an extra element of There's stuff. So layers. Yeah, but yeah. I, but then I don't know. Then I was just like the first one. I was just my kids use this word all the time. I suppose it's probably in the vernacular nowadays. But cringy. I, it was it was cringy for me to watch Jeff Ross like do this eighth grade history lesson to start it, mm-hmm. and then he makes a couple jokes, and then you know, I mean, I thought the lady that played his wife, the drug addict she had a couple of good lines it takes four and a half hours to take all the clothes off it's just better if I suck their it's easier if I suck their cocks mm-hmm. and I you know but for the most part it didn't even have as many opportunities or it didn't even have as many shots as like a normal roast would well, yeah it's and they're kind already of... kind of limited like I wouldn't watch I didn't watch every single roast that came out like I would say I don't want to see that but like when Charlie Sheen was getting roasted I was like yes yeah. that will be fun because that, that top layer I think we've recently heard Jeff Ross talk about this when he did that interview on your mom's house, mm-hmm. which I did go back and listen to, and it was pretty cool, and it, I feel like he's got like talking points now about David Tell. He, I've heard him say that same exact speech. Yeah. Well, it's probably not a speech; it's probably actually how the fuck it is going with David Tell. Absolutely. And um, he was talking about with the roast, like you obviously can't go in and hit the ABC points; those are going to be so well tread on mm-hmm. by the hacks that are going to be in there. Or, Usually they have people that are pretty good in this arena of comedy. They had like Greg, um, what the hell was his name? Remember like 10 years ago, that guy that died from heroin? Greg Giraldo? Greg Giraldo. They had Jeff Ross. Gilbert Gottfried's pretty good yeah. in the shit. Um, I mean, there's a few other guys too who are escaping me, my name, my list right now, but they're pretty fucking good at this stuff. And they all know what the fertile ground is going to be. Mm-hmm. And so they're all trying to be in the bushes so they can jump out at it. Mm-hmm. That was really, for me, the exciting part would be like, I didn't think he was going to go there. And sometimes they would be taking shots at the crowd or the other people on the dais because they just thought, it's Pamela Anderson. There's like three real avenues. Maybe you pull something obscure out, but they're not going to all be sitting there trying to find the most obscure angle to rag right. on Pam Anderson. So they turn around each other and making fun of the whole, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, and then that you can even talk about current events. 
Like that's I feel like some people are tend more towards that. Yeah. To like bring up Trump in the situation when they're roasting fucking Justin Bieber or whatever. But it's just fine. Do. It's just everyone's got their it's own It's an opportunity to just fucking roast. Just mm-hmm. roast. Whenever whenever it's a roast of someone, it's just an opportunity to roast. Everyone's under the gun and, and But it's I think okay. the I think the scariest thing about it for me, if I was gonna be doing it, would be you spend so much time getting the, the material together. And as you're sitting there, you know at least a couple of your lines are going to be, like, unusable after someone mm-hmm. else kind of treads it. Yep. What if you only have, you know, what if, like, the couple that you're, like, these are going to be the gems and they're gone? And well, I mean, you, but it's not like you're going to go up there right when it, they have, like, rehearsals and stuff. When it's, like, a big roast like that. They're not yeah, gonna, you think they do rehearsal? Oh, of course. Yeah, because they don't want that to happen because it's, you know, it's going to be on TV and stuff. They're going to be like, well, and, and there's obviously a lot of editing, too. They cut stuff out. They shorten people's sets and whatnot. Yeah. But uh, so either you don't see it or in, they have like a, a bunch of writers for everybody and whatnot. So I'm sure so like they, they do it with like everyone getting 20% of the time. And then if your stuff already got pounded, you just shift down to like two lines or whatever. Yeah, honestly, I've I've, seen, I've heard where they've, they've actually cut people's sets like down a bit. Yeah. But then also... Just, you know, in the rehearsals and whatnot, they might be like, you know, you have a chance now to go rewrite some of your stuff. And I'm sure a lot of people do that. They rewrite their stuff after rehearsals so they so it, it all fits together better. It's just like when, when you're watching improv stuff, you have like a certain level of... Appreciation? Appreciation or like generosity that you have with your laughter that mm-hmm. they, you know they just came up with that. So it's, it's an extra... It's just more. It's closer to amazing right from the start. So you're ready to be like, "Wow, that's pretty quick." Yeah. I have a, I have the, almost the same appreciation for improv as I do roasting. They're, they they share a very similar place in my brain. See, but the roast thing is is not quite the same thing though. I mean, there are not, guys that do it well. Same. I'm not no, saying no, it's no. The but same, I mean, but... in that sense, because mm-hmm. the improv thing, the amazing thing is they're coming up with shit nakedly right in front of people mm-hmm. whereas with the roast thing it's like alright you put the costume on we're gonna Bob Saget and John Stamos they're gonna dress up there's gonna be this guy if you need to have Frederick Douglass come in for one second to set up your line we can do that you have a team of writers you have two weeks to come up with it come back in and see what you do what are you talking about just this show specifically not roasting in general well, I don't know. Now, if you're saying they're all rehearsed and stuff, I guess I just always I mean, I'm talking about the big roasts, but I mean, there's plenty of roast battles. It's like a very big thing because comedy is so large right now. But the yeah. idea of roasting, I think, I is in the same pantheon, I think, of improv, of just like pantheon. that. I like you that. You like that? It is in the pantheon. And it's like, it's of this quick-witted kind of um, nature of, of doing things, which, I mean, we're all quick in our own ways and our own avenues, but I've always had the respect for... You know, just the improv people in general, mm-hmm. and then on also the the roast thing specifically. Obviously, this is a different animal, the show that we're looking at, because it's so put on. Yeah. I, even roast that we see, the Charlie Sheen, the um, Donald Trump, the Justin Bieber, all those are put on things. Like, they're rehearsed, the people are go up. Like, some of the people you go up and hear with those, like, some of their lines, you're like, you didn't write this shit. You're fucking Paris Hilton. Like, you don't have a funny bone put in your body right like nobody <laughs> well nobody cares about what Paris Hilton has to say you know I think everyone's waiting for Geraldo to come up with a good line or Ross right but still they line. do end up saying funny things that's what I'm getting if at they else... do end up saying funny things which means they have people writing for them yes. they didn't come up with any of the stuff they say you're like there's no way you can even put together a punchline because you're fucking Paris Hilton so obviously somebody wrote all this stuff for you right so but um so yeah the whole yeah that's just what do you think about like old school like I think MTV used to televised shit where it'd be like like rap 
style wild, wild and out wild and out what's the difference between wild and out and a roast there's battle. well wild like and out had was was rap battling so you had to rhyme so you had to rhyme which is like another i have i also watch that with great that, that's great really hard for me to watch that's really hard for me to watch it's like nails on a fucking chalkboard just never ending it's that's how milk toast white you are Maybe he's so white he rejects rap. He re- not rap, but, <laughs> re- but that wild and out shit. That's exactly His what I was body, thinking of. I couldn't think of the name of it. Wild and out, yeah. Um, I it's can't like that even. Extra. I will sprain my finger on the remote trying to fucking skip. If I even think I'm seeing, I think they like also that. used to have a Your Mama show where they are they even still do where they just do Your Mama jokes on MTV. I yeah, I couldn't sit and watch that either. Yeah, dude, MTV's really good at that. Dude's <laughs> <laughs> real good at that, but I I like the show because it, we get to see people. It gives us a chance to see that class of Jeff Jeff Ross, which is Bob Saget and uh, Gilbert Gottfried, and I didn't those, get to that one. I will watch that because I do want to see Gilbert. Yeah, I, all you have all those guys. And it's, it gives us a chance to see those guys because none of those guys are on anything regular. I mean, unless you want to watch fucking Fuller House, which is, I don't, I'm not watching that. I want to watch the Bob Saget that I want to watch, which is like doing roasts and being dropping dirty. Dropping cunt bombs. Yeah, and, dropping yeah. C-bombs, boy. So I don't know that I need to see, though, Bob Saget, John Stamos. Like, I don't know about the John Stamos thing. I'm just more talking about the comedians. It just gives yeah. us a chance to see comedians. Uh, anything at this point for just a... That's in the vein of trying to bring light to maybe historical things or educational things and do it in a way that's like more fun. I'm kind of for. Was it really good? Was it really like. Was it worth the 30 minutes, actually, I guess? I Let's think get so. to that question. I mean, I think it was really worth it. Will I watch again? Will I choose to watch it again? I, I don't know. But I mean, I think did was, you watch? Did you watch three? I watched two, and then I started in on the third one. Okay. So I would have. I really should have uh, chicken picked the third one. Just First one was Abraham Lincoln, played by Bob Saget. Second one was Freddie Mercury, played by who? James Adomian. Who's that? James Adomian is uh, the whole time I was thinking that. he was like a UCB guy. I think he was one of the guys. Well, you probably didn't see. Uh, Dave Cross directed a little indie movie called Hits. Mm-hmm. It was about like a a guy that went viral for being a psycho in his like town board meeting, and then all these guys from Brooklyn come out to like sculpt his social media presence and then it becomes a bigger story and then there's like layers of people that are in is it based on something that really happened or is it all no, I think it's just based on kind of shit that happens oh, I think it's okay a, it's okay. kind of a common thing when people just want to be on the internet like the daughter almost dies because she just wants to be on TV she doesn't give a fuck about anything being on TV you know that mm-hmm. that was kind of what they were attacking um, what else did you know James Adomian from yeah because I was trying to recognize yeah his face looked familiar but with the the mustache and everything. Yeah. Like, I can't place him on anything. I he, he's not it. huge, but he's been in some stuff. Yeah. I like you. He's pretty I mean, funny. you know, uh, Nikki Glaser yeah. was the... Uh, the wife. No, Nikki Glaser was um, Kurt Cobain. Oh, Kurt Cobain. That's right. Uh, who was the... Who who was Princess Diana? Uh, um, Fortune Feimster. Fortune Feimster. Who, yeah. What's she done? She's a, just a comedian. Just a comedian lady. Yeah. Which yeah. I don't. I'm not a huge fortune theme star. And then uh, yeah. Seth Green was David Bowie. I, I like Seth great. Green as David Bowie. He was great. Cape. Yeah. He's really good. That's that's the, like when you bring him in, and you have Nikki Glaser, who's like kind of notable 
uh, and you have this other lady that are comedians. It's like when you put a comedian or a writer, because he's not just a comedian. Like he's done his his he's done his rounds in writing and comedy. Whether you see him on stage or you see him, he's 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 had his hands and his fingers in so Seth many Green. fucking Seth Green. He's yeah. had his hands and fingers in so many fucking shows and and writing on so many things. Like Robot Chicken is, which I think is still on. Or there's a million like uh, uh, Adult Swim shows that he's helping out with things like this. That it's always does so he do much. a voice on Family Guy? Is he one of the yeah? He does Chris. He does Chris. He does Chris. So it's and it's um, and he's been doing these these things for so long, like yeah. decades now. He was funny. I actually when did he, enjoy. Yeah, it. he it was, came up on stage and his was like Mwah! because it's gonna be fucking well written. You know it's what? Gonna be well done. As you're saying this, I'm thinking to myself. Yes, I think what we're both thinking here is that. They have these golf tournaments where they have pro golfers and like movie stars get together. They call it a pro am. Mm-hmm. These types of things are like pro ams. So they they have Nikki Glaser. Obviously, they got Jeff there to like be the Jeff is like the, the fucking roast master, right? Of then you got Nikki Glaser in there to make shit work out right. Mm-hmm. Then you got a bunch of amateurs that come in. John Stamos wants to do, you know, I don't know if they ask John Stamos or if he gets. It. I, don't, I don't know how that shit works, but I think it was like a funny like who's gonna be the John Wilkes Booth to David to. Uh, um, Bob Saget's Abraham Lincoln. They're like right. fucking John Stamos. I think that was like the right. joke right. that they had in there. Yeah, so whether so he some of that casting is clever in its own yeah. right because that gave them a whole layer of Full House shit. That could, there's only so much distance you're gonna get on Full House shit when it's just Bob Saget, right? And you're not gonna bring in all the other people. And maybe it's touchy to do the Lori Laughlin fucking jokes about the fucking paying the school. I didn't hear any of that. I thought I might hear. Was was that was her on there? Yeah, she was the fucking. Uh, she was. John Stamos's girlfriend. No, no, she wasn't on it. I'm just oh. saying that's kind of a big story. Oh yeah, Lori Laughlin did that. I didn't know any of the. I knew it was famous people. I didn't know their, any other names or who it was. Yeah, she was the. She was John Stamos's wife. Wife on, on Full, Full House. House. Okay, and I, I think she had to drop out of the new one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I bet that made the whole show go to shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so was already at shit. The whole just... show fell apart. No, man. Uh, I liked it. I mean. I wouldn't... I'd say watch it if it's there. I would firmly place it and watch it if it's there. I might recommend it to a friend or two. Uh, I might even sit in on the last couple. I think it was Cleopatra and Frank. Um, Martin Luther King and Martin Muhammad Luther Ali. King and Muhammad Ali. Yeah. So, which... And, and it's because of this, this new historical thing. You have, like, drunk history and that kind of stuff. They could do it forever. It's very millennial, too, by the way, I wanted to say. Just like Drunk History, where it's like, you can't get millennials to give a fuck about anything that's not Twitter or something that's fucking super low concentration level. So we'll sneak in a little fucking history lesson. They'll understand who Abraham... Oh, yeah, I fucking knew who Abraham Lincoln was. I just... I didn't know, I guess. I wasn't So you think this show is just directed at millennials? No, no, but I think... It'll, it'll help boost the education level of millennials. Yeah, that's what it'll do. Like Drunk History. Yeah, I saw it on Drunk History. Bullshit. That's, uh... I... Yeah, I'll put Ken it right Ken Marino. I, I want to see the the Cleopatra one now because Ken Marino plays Mark Antony. That'll be good. And then, uh... you know who Jaleel White is? He was Steve Urkel. Oh, really? From uh, Family Matters. Is that Muhammad Where, Ali? Yes, he plays <laughs> Muhammad Ali. So that Anybody might be knew funny. it was Muhammad Ali? And I like the idea. I, I probably will watch the Anne Frank one because I knew that cast had Gilbert yeah, Godfrey, Gilbert Hitler, Godfrey dressed up as John Hitler. Lovitz plays Roosevelt. That'll be funny. Oh man! So I'll, I'll watch that one too. And I, I like Fred Willard. Fred Willard's funny. He plays God in that one. Oh wow! Yeah. So they. You but know, it's you not get for that. everyone. I, we, I like right. some of it. I'm sure you like some of it. 
I don't know that we could. What would you say? Would you say watch if it's there? Would you yeah. say must watch? Watch? It, I'd, uh, watch if it's there. I'd place it firmly and watch if it's there. Yeah. So okay. if there's someone's like, hey, you want to check this shit out? I'd be like, yeah, I'll check it out. Let's want to watch that one. Sure. Yeah. Or how could we have anything bad to say about this program when we have the roast master himself? Perhaps overseeing our review. Yeah, apparently the roast master himself, Mister Jeff Ross, liked the tweet. I mean, but uh, you know, he's probably perusing his. Yeah, um, some that means some sixteen-year-old kid that lives in a property on his, you know, in a structure on his property, just like clicking like. Every, just sit there and fucking look my name up and hit like. You fucking hit like, asshole. idiot! This is what do you think I'm paying you for? Turn the lights on. What the fuck do you need light? Just shut, shut up. Shut the light. The phone's a light. <laughs> These fucking millennials. Yeah, I would put it firmly and watch if it's there. And thank you. Uh, I like uh, I like that Jeff Ross is budding as far as he's putting things on. Uh, you know, with his bumping mics and now the historical roast. I'm sure there's going to be a couple other things. I think, uh, you know, whatever he's doing, I I think it's the roasting thing. I always stand strong for what he does too, like going to prisons and doing that kind of shit. I mean, if you if you back him as thinking he's super funny or not. I, I like, still like what he does. I still like him as a guy. I, I like the bumping mics thing. This historical roast thing kind of is making me think of from the game show thing we were watching where they pull those elastics really thin. Right. And I feel like this well, let's pull a roast thing over here. Let's do let's do roast of kids. Let's do roast of how about the the Thanksgiving ro- and I just think, you know, he's, he's, he's making so movements with his hands everybody where he's stretching yes. like he's stretching he, elastic he's things really out. trying to pull I'm this really, roast thing into many directions. That's what he's trying to. Good luck. Hey, man, he's doing something we're not. So there's that. And on the next Millennial Book Club... Back to misery. We're going back to something seriously tear-cheek-staining. Tear, if, if we could please just watch a show that makes that ruins a day, if not a week. Graphic rape of a young boy that'll change everyone's life. Uh, can't wait. <laughs> this one is called Awake. Awake. It's actually a game show. And... Interesting it's, concept. Yeah, where they uh, the game show is they're just trying to uh, you got to do stuff and physically and mentally that is supposed to stress you out. I guess after you've been awake, I've, all the contestants have been awake for twenty four hours, so they're all sleep deprived. I kind of feel like they tell them what the thing is and then they go go, and, and, and do- you have to do whatever that fucking thing is for twenty four hours. Then they drag you out and say. Don't you want to murder everyone? And they must like they probably bring him into makeup or something. I think there's a couple of different. I think there's a. It all kind of revolves around that. I think we from what we saw there was that one. But then you have people on stage trying to like do these weird little tasks, and they're all trying to. I think there's other. I think it's a combination of okay. of all these things where they have to. They might have to do something for 24 hours to keep them awake, and then also do these other stupid little fucking games to test their fortitude. Fuck that. I'm not a. Uh, Mm-mm. It's a lot of money. It is a lot of money, but how many? I think the first season will probably come and go, and not a single person will mean, win a million dollars. That is my uh, really? prediction. Yeah. Okay. It's just like, um, have you ever heard of uh, Amer? Um, have you ever heard of Ninja Warrior? Yes. I think I've even talked about this once before on the podcast. But Ninja Warrior came from Japan, and then they made they created American Ninja Warrior. Yes, that's an, what I've heard of. An American Ninja Warrior. That's why they have the word American in front of it and not just calling it Ninja Warrior. So, but American Ninja Warrior, as far as I know, and I've checked this a couple different times, every time, I, every time I say this, I always take a second to look it up, still has yet to be a winner. 
And um, what do you mean? I see like videos of people finishing. They, uh, I as when I checked, they finish the first, the second obstacle. So you'll you'll what you watch is one. They have to run through with the obstacle once, and then they might win that show. They might win that episode. But oh, okay. Then they have to run through that one and another one in the next episode. And on the third one, they have to run through that one, the second one, and a third one. And if they fuck up on any of these, they lose. And then on the last one, they have to run through all three. So at that point, you've run through the first one four times and get to the top of what they call Mount Midoriyama. Not a single person. Okay, so I've only those clips ever, that you know which I'm what I'm talking yeah. about is that's just one third of the thing. Yeah, Jesus, because yeah. you see the people are like exhausted so, by the time they get the, done with that. So and the, the reason that is so Ninja Warrior, and there's only been like two or three uh, winners in Japan. And it's like the same obstacle course; they're not doing anything different. But it's the minds. It's a it's such a beautiful like uh, creation of of the Japanese mindset, and that is. Unless you, you can't just like do this in your free time and think you're going to, oh, I'm pretty athletic. I'm going to come out here and win it. Like they've had famous football players and shit on there. Like Herschel Walker tried to do it and shit. Like you're not fucking doing it. Like unless you dedicate your life to getting to the end. Not I want, because the money, you'll spend more in time and effort and honestly purchasing things to like recreate some of the obstacles then you will what you win in winning. So I think it's like five hundred thousand dollars or something. Like, but the amount of time and effort. So that no you one's ever in, won it. Not the American one, no. Wow. And that might have been, and and that was like I think I checked it at like it was at season, like six or seven. I haven't checked it in the. I, I'm pretty sure it's still on, and I haven't checked it. So somebody might have may have won it and won it now. But the last time I checked it. It's because no American gets it in their head. They all jump up there thinking, I'm pretty athletic. I'm this. I've actually, I know this guy who's done it like three or four times. And I'm like, dude, you're never, you're never going to fucking win it until you, until you dedicate every single day. Has he ever finished a chunk of it? He's finished chunks of it. He's actually very athletic. That itself is pretty fucking cool. Yeah, it is really cool. And he gets to go and he does it every year. Because some of that shit, you're like, man, you have to swing, you have to use your whole body weight so many times in an already aerobic situation and this like strength and aerobic hitting you over and over Dude, to, in a short time and, to and then and then the little micro muscle shit like when you're running on a fucking air ball that you have to you know it's it hits you at a lot of different angles it does it and, and that's why and they change the obstacles they do all these different uh things to from from season to season they're changing obstacles so you might build an obstacle in your backyard to practice show up and that's not even on the not even on the course this year so it's really, really just designed in such a way where if you don't dedicate your life to trying to do it, you won't be able to do it. Like the guy that originally won it, he worked on a fishing boat. So already he was just fucking rigging and like pulling things like f- f- arms like a like fucking Popeye. But then he built obstacles in his house and he was up like 60 hour weeks or between working and just he would go home and then he would practice on obstacles at his house every single day. To where he came and he was actually able to... He was the first winner in Japan. Fucking crazy shit. Anyway, that's way off the path of what we just started talking about. Guys, watch Awake, which is completely different, on the next Millennial Book Club. If you want to send any reviews to us uh, about Awake, you can do that at roadsodamail at gmail.com. Please send those to us. We'd love to hear them. And we'll send you a special Millennial Book Club postcard. That'll be fun. All right, guys.
Hi, Sammy Mays here with Mega Screen Scrub. My cousin Billy loved to talk on his phone and that's what killed him. Cell phone grime. It should have been his brother Percy, that piece of shit. Mega Screen Scrub is the only grime fighting product that harnesses the cleaning power of Norwegian algae. Think there are a lot of germs on a hobo's asshole? Of course there are, but right now your cell phone screen has five times more grime. So if you want to keep using your face as a subway seat, have at it. But if you want a mega clean cell phone and to not die like my cousin, Mega Screen Scrub is the answer. My name is David Potter. I tried a lot of different products before this one, and my life totally sucked. But then I came across this one, and I am so happy, I literally cream in my jeans on a regular basis now. But wait, there's more! If you order now, we'll send you an extra month's supply free. Mega Screen Scrub, a Popco brand. A few weeks ago, I was editing some things for the podcast. I told you this long, arduous story off air, but um, I think just I have to reiterate at least a piece of it to build up to it's this It's not a great open when you say long, arduous story. Just <laughs> saying. <laughs> oh, <laughs> see what I, my idea is to break people down and to think them that they're, uh, I'm, I'm winding up for a long nothing. And then anyway, uh, a few weeks ago I watched, uh, I was watching this documentary and I was trying to do something else. I was trying to work on our podcast. And I kept hearing, I was just supposed to have background noise, but I kept hearing these lines, and I'm like, what the fuck? I, I was just so taken by some of these lines. One of them was, um, a lot of people don't know this, but I'm actually a god. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'm listening. What's going on here? Right? And what it was, it was the documentary called Born Strong, which is a documentary about um, the guys that all compete for like the world's strongest man not just the World's Strongest Man competition, because there's that one, and then there's also Arnold Schwarzenegger has his own sort of competition that he puts on. It's really similar. Um, but just being the World's Strongest Man, this powerlifting thing, right? And then it, it was Hafthor Bjornsson, who is this Icelandic motherfucker who's con uh, known as the Mountain on... Um, G.O.T. G.O.T., Game of Thrones. He's the Mountain. Everyone knows who's the Mountain. And they, they're, they're interviewing all these different dudes on this fucking Born Strong interview. And some of his lines are fucking great. Like, they're all talking about how they have to eat and, like, force feed themselves every day. Like, the, the hardest part about what these guys do is the eating. That's what they all say. It's like, not the lifting. It's not that kind of... It's the fact that I have to force feed myself every fucking day. And he's like... At one point, one of the lines... I'm sitting there, I'm trying to edit. At one point, one of the lines is, uh, If it would make me stronger, I would eat shit. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, what is this, this guy? Who is this guy? I love this shit. And he's just so dedicated. Yeah, he's uh, that's Hofthor Bjornsson. He says he's a, he's actually an ocean god. And uh, if it would make him stronger, he would eat shit. And he's got a lot of other really brilliant fucking lines. But, dude, I, that's what I love about those guys, about those power lifters, is that they're all goofy like that in some way. Have you ever heard of Ronnie Coleman? No. So Ronnie Coleman is like six-time Mr. Olympia, which is bodybuilding. It's now powerlifting. Right. And he's this black guy that is fucking out of his mind. Yeah, buddy! Ain't nothing but a peanut, baby. Everybody want to be a bodybuilder. Ain't nobody want to lift these heavy-ass weights. Dude, great fucking guy. <laughs> super, super happy guy. Super happy, super awesome. He's actually a fucking cop. They have this documentary you can watch. Uh, it's, it's like The King, it's, I think it's called, because that was his whole like persona was The King. Uh, you can watch it on Netflix, but he was he was a fucking cop, dude. He had like these Daisy Dukes on, and they'd have him sitting at a desk, 
at like because you know everyone comes in in the morning and they gotta brief everybody on what's going on dude he's sitting at his own little desk he's such a fucking mountain of meat he had to drive an escalade because he couldn't fit in any of the other cars and he's just such a fucking mountain of meat with his little sweaty handkerchief but the guys are always super happy super fun yeah buddy I need my. he called them they were these like 200 pound dumbbells 200 pound dumbbells in, in any given gym you might find up to 120 pound dumbbell that's for one arm because it's for one arm he's got 200 pound dumbbells that he like presses and fucking curls and she calls them peanuts hey, that's peanut ain't nothing but a peanut baby dude that's what I love about those fucking guys but anyway so I'm a super huge fan as born strong you can see that Arnold Schwarzenegger is a huge fan he's he just loves these. Um, anyway, look at the monsters. These are monsters. You look great. You look great. There's no reason for what they do, and they put it on. They get the big belly that pops out. There's no reason for it. I don't, but people want to see a monster. Dude, that's like it's, he gets so fucking pumped up that he has his own competition for it. And when like the guy said, uh, Eddie Hall set a, a deadlift record at one of his at one of his things. What's his thing called? Uh, it, it's called, like, I, I don't know. It's like Arnie something. Because he's got a lot of them. I, I, I really don't remember what it's okay. called. But uh, where... So Eddie Hall deadlifts a record at this one. And when he... when As soon as he puts it down and his head is, like, towards the ground, like, he's not even, like... He's still, like, out of breath and stuff. Arnold sprints across the fucking stage and is, like squatted down like because the guy's like on the floor basically trying to like catch his set breath he's like on the floor like, trying to shake his hand like oh my god oh like just so jazzed up and riled up about this stuff like that's he's such a fucking fan but that's how could you not dude he just loves it's like this the spectacle of human power watching these people do this kind of shit it's like it's fucking fascinating to watch um He's not just like this outside fanboy either. I mean, shit. Mm -mm. He definitely put his fucking decades in doing that shit. It's just like the, it, all the all the greats are like Mike Tyson's a fucking boxing nerd. Like all the people, if you if you know like uh, uh, Jerry Seinfeld is a comedy nerd. Like these people are fucking nerds about what they do, and that's why they are where they are is because they're fucking insane about this one thing. Like they love it so much, it just gets them juiced, and uh, not that kind of juiced. I do, I do like that actually. That now that you touched on that, like I think the best football coach in football right now, probably in our lifetimes, mm -hmm. is the coach of the Patriots, Bill Belichick. Because he's a fucking obsessed with because it. Because he's fucking obsessed with it. His best buddy is a guy that he went to this academy with in high school, who sits up in the booth. He's one of the only guys that is like you know they all have those headphones. Mm -hmm. One of the only guys that's in his thing, and they always say, "Who is Ernie Adams? What is Ernie Adams' job? He's not like one of the coaches or whatever." He's his buddy, and he's also like fucking Rain Man. Mm -hmm. He lived with his mom until she died. He was like, he's like fucking sixty. He lived with his mom till he was like, till she died when he was right. like fifty. Who is Ernie? What's he, he doing? He he has three hobbies: the Civil War, like mathematic fucking books, and fucking gobble. He just knows everything about football. Like, what did we do in nineteen ninety five? What did we do against the Steelers in nineteen ninety five in the third play? What did we do, dude? You know how critical that information is though. When it's yeah. third and six, and you're like Ernie, and he goes. 87% of the time, they're running to the right. I've seen three times, and it's raining, so three times they've done yep. this, and he goes, Bad, definitely. I think we're going to probably run this play. And then he looks like a genius, and it's like, yep. I love that. <laughs> but, so, but the thing about it is, he wins all this shit, but it's never, it doesn't even matter to him, because he just always is all about it. So that's like your, 
your punishment for being the best at something is the real best. Is like your Seinfeld. You get billions of dollars. You can do whatever you want. I just want a few more spots. Like, even though I'm taking my jet to Pittsburgh, joke still, I want yeah. some spots. I want the, to throw it away and get some new cards going. Yep. The money, everything becomes such a fucking... It's just a byproduct of mm-hmm. your in, insane fatuation with this one thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what puts those people... Because anybody can be... And that's what everybody says. Don't mm-hmm. go into anything to make money. Right. Because then you end up like a Jeff Ross with this horse and pony bullshit about this... Ro- do something that you like and then just stay with it. It's not about the money and trying to drain it's it on Netflix ball sack. Anyway, they got the juice in there, though. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, they can, if they can spread it around, that'd be great. So we're sidetracked like a motherfucker, though. But hardly. Uh, we're talking about... So, we... this So, so these guys... They're they're fucking obsessive. They want to be the best, and they want to be the best over anything else. And it's so fucking awesome. They want to be to the world's strongest. The man. world's strongest man. It's a cool title, dude. Last week on uh, my way to work, there's the road was blocked off a little bit, and come was, to work, I thought it was like some running. Crap. I thought it was a fucking craft fair. I'm like stupid. But shit. God damn it, whatever. Because that's the kind of stuff they have in in downtown Bradenton, Florida area. They usually have you know it's a farmers market or some bullshit. But then the next day we come down and it's really blocked off, and uh, we got some people in the office stand up and they say, "Is the world's strongest man?" And I'm like, I thought it was like an expo, like a world's strongest man expo. Like they have them all over the place. There's like little thing where, like, things. Guy comes out and he fucking pulls a dump truck, right? That's what I think is happening. But then I took a few seconds and I googled it, and the Tachi Palace's World Strongest Man Competition 2019 was being held a block and a half outside of the doors of our fucking office, and I lost my shit, dude. I was so pumped and happy and excited, and I immediately ran out there, and I saw, I got to see Brian... Uh, Shaw. Brian Shaw. Like, as soon as I got out there, I saw him standing. I'm like, oh, you look great. You're a monster. Look at you. You look great. Dude, and uh, got to see all these fucking guys. Uh, and they were pulling they were pulling monster trucks. That was, like, their first thing was uh, pulling the monster was, trucks. Was there more than one monster truck? Because I, yeah, like, they they I saw, like, a Volkswagen bug thing that was, like, jacked up. That was, uh, dude, you don't know Gravedigger when you see it? No. <laughs> that was Gravedigger, you yeah. fool. They had Gravedigger, and then the, there's a second one that's just as famous or just a slightly less famous than Gravedigger, and they were chained bumper to bumper, and then they were pulling two of them. So, yeah. The Rainbow Wagon, I think. Ah, dude, it's Gravedigger, and, ah, dude, I'm just someone yelling right now, because it's, it's, if you know Gravedigger, you know this other one, because they're like rivals in the monster truck world. The monster trucking is like world, is like WWE with, tr- with cars. Like, they have, like, feuds, and they, the whole thing is fucking great. Um... But anyway, uh, it was, yeah, right outside. And then we all mentioned, dude, it's got, I got really excited. I got really pumped up. And it was going to be going on the whole weekend. So I decided to actually go out there. Um, like, uh, we I went out there and watched it. I took a couple pictures while we were at work. And then it actually ran through the weekend. And so uh, on Sunday, I went down to the beach because it's all free. You're just free to go out there and watch them. And, um, what's really cool is that everyone knows, uh, everyone that's listened to the podcast enough knows, uh, about Tsunami, which is like this inside kind of weird forum. That's all just like this massive email chain between a bunch of people that you're friends with, right? Your brother-in-law and stuff like that. Actually, we've had, 
Um, we've had him on. We've had Doctor Dave. Doctor Dave is a member of Tsunami. Is a, is a member of Tsunami, and as well as um, Avram. Avram, which is a very big member up on up on Tsunami. So Avram. Uh, was cool because he is a power lifter, but apparently now he's a power lifter, but he trains on uh, Hothor's fucking team, on the Iceland team. He's a member Are they of, just like Team Iceland, or is it something else? It's like Team Iceland, I'm yeah. pretty sure, yeah, because they were all wearing the shoes. I actually saw him on Monday. Like, I remember seeing him walking by him, uh, going out there on whatever it was, like Thursday or whatever. Oh, when they were by the office. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I remember specifically seeing him. I didn't know what he looked like. I just remember the face. I'm like, yeah, definitely. You were one of the guys that I saw walking that oh, day. That's cool. Yeah. Um, which is so funny because he was out there and you didn't even realize that this guy you've communicated with in France for like probably years and he was right outside your fucking office and you didn't even fucking know. I couldn't have picked him out of a lineup. I couldn't have picked him out of which is fucking great. Uh... But because of that connection, you know, it, got, it gave me his number, and then I went there, and, and I had my son with me, so that was kind of like, uh, and, and I, I showed up right after noon, and I showed up, they had two events, uh, one was the squad event, and then after that was the Atlas Stones, which is the final, and after that, um, and so, but I showed up right between those two events, and it was like a hot fucking balmy South Florida day, <laughs> and dude, was I... Was it right on Bradenton Beach, in the sand? Right on Bradenton Beach. You get down to the end of 64, yep. and that's where it was. Like, you get to the end, you got fucking strongmen standing there, right on the beach. If you go any further, you're on Anna Maria. Like, it's before that big stretch. No, it's like when you where the road ends, and you have to make a right or left, because it doesn't go anymore. Oh, okay, okay. At the beach. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's where it is. Um, and they, uh... But yeah, um, and I saw fucking immediately see Hawthor sitting there, dude. And they have like these little Ryobi fucking like work fans, and they got they they have guys like holding them up in his face, dude. He looked like he was donezo and a half, just milked of all everything, like just was done. Because he had hurt his foot earlier in the thing, but he kept going, right? He's yeah, he, I guess he hurt his foot in yeah the on the the first day, and then he came back the second day, and then that one, but. When your heart foot doesn't affect your entire like physical stamina, you know, like your heart foot's like ah my my foot sucks, but dude, this it looks like he was sapped of all his strength and then some, and it was you can tell it was just because this man is built for like Iceland, not South Florida, and mm-hmm. he's here trying to fucking squat thousands of pounds while being in South Florida, and it just doesn't that doesn't work out when like that sort of change is really hard for people yeah yeah and uh not all of them were doing well apparently all the the apparently all the guys were not feeling too great um but because i got there at that time he was he immediately went and like was sleeping between them i had a seven month old with me so i can only had a limited amount of time to be there It was as much time as he was gonna allow us to be there until he started getting upset and cranky which he lasted a really long time I just, I'm for, and, and I had all these hopes of like getting him into the hands of one of these guys. Like I so badly, so badly wanted him to grow up and be like, there's you being held by the strongest man in the world. Althor threw you up Althor threw like you. 17 seconds you were there. I didn't think you were going to come back. I was like, that's <laughs> it. He's dead. And I would have loved to be telling him those stories his whole fucking life. But dude, I just, 
it because of the circumstances getting there like I, I was gonna go Saturday but I went Sunday just how it worked out yeah I went there Sunday and I ended up meeting Abram he was super fucking awesome he actually got some of our postcards and cool. uh, he I, I he ran back and he had him signed by Eddie Hall who's got the world's strongest deadlift we have it signed somewhere nice um, in here actually it's probably over there but yeah it's, it was Eddie Hall signed signed it and whatnot and uh, who's he's he's a fucking awesome British dude, and they call him the Beast. And there's a couple other dudes who signed it as well. But uh, again, I just I wanted like I just all these things I wanted to do. I was hoping like get pictures and whatnot. But it just I got there when everything was like shutting down and people were like trying to rest and fucking stay alive for the competition. Dude, get and used then, to that for the next couple of years because when you got right. young, really young kids. Oh, I didn't just... mind it. I didn't mind it for like myself like i was really just disappointed like in you my wanted that cool like, picture, i wanted that cool, cool picture for, from 20 years for from him now. like that i was gonna give to him but it's like as I, far as me missing it it's like i can live with me missing that kind of stuff like i get that you know he's a baby and whatnot i just i felt like i failed like i felt like i really like i didn't did you get I a picture of with like, any of those guys no yeah i didn't get shit it's hard when they're that little you got plenty of years for that shit i was it was it was father's day so I was having a little barbecue at my house with my mother, my my family, and my mother-in-law and her husband. And I was telling him they were like, "He's my mother-in-law was like, he's bringing a baby to the thing." I went, "He wants that fucking picture so that when the kid's twenty-one, I was like, you never, you fucking, I'm a fucking asshole. Fuck you. Look at that picture right there. Who took you, the strong man? I fucking took you, strong man. That's exactly what I wanted, yeah, dude. I wanted that." You got you got plenty of time for that though. He's oh so my young. God. Those I pictures know. will be cool. Up and he won't remember shit until like. I don't know. We'll say school age. So you got like five more years to get him in, you know, those cool pictures. You'll have a bunch of them. Yeah. And what's funny is I, I saw Eddie Hall, right? He's like, so the, the this part, uh, uh, I got there and they finished up with the squatting competition. Everything kind of ended. And I, they were cleaning out this area. I fucking, um, Bill Kazmaier was there with like the original fucking Oh, he's trial. like old school, Daddy, baby. I fucking saw him, dude. So he's the guy from like all the ones that I saw because... Like 15 years ago when you were watching them, it was the dudes in the 80s. They were Dude. showing you doing the cars they were lifting. They were like, what the fuck is that? Is that a Buick Regal from like 74? <laughs> what the fuck are you lifting? I wouldn't even drive What I always loved back then was this the sportsmanship and the camaraderie too. Like one dude is lifting and then like, you know, the, the way these strong guys, when they're done, they're always big spectacle. But I'm spent. I'm oh, yeah. spent. They lay back. And then they, <laughs> then they look at the other guy and go, come on. You can do one more. And it's oh, like, yeah. no, dude, it's a competition. You should <laughs> fucking be tickling him or something. <laughs> Dude, I love the, that's what's so fucking great about those I don't think you can be successful in those type of things unless you're like that Ronnie Coleman guy yeah. because you gotta have a motor that never quits you can't you're the most positive spin it the right way every fuck yeah buddy because if you're not there's no fucking way you're gonna just keep on waking up and scaling that wall of dude he's getting had... so big that it's dysfunctional for my fucking life exactly force beating myself <laughs> so I can't fit in a cop car which is my job <laughs> this is my fucking job yeah baby yeah, check it out fucking everything out ain't nothing but a peanut baby <laughs> when I'm 29 I don't know what I'm gonna do with all this weight it's probably gonna fuck can kill me early. <laughs> I'm so sad. <laughs> he, <laughs> dude, he actually uh, has like I think he had like a double hip replacement. Ronnie Coleman. What, yeah, that's what the do the documentary is about. And uh, since then, I've seen him go in for like a couple different surgeries. Dude, fucking God bless whoever those surgeons are that are cutting this man open. Because it, you don't just, when, when you cut open and you cut the muscle away from the bone, 
you have to pull that muscle back to the bone and when it shrinks up when it when it is when it relaxes it's like it's flexing that's it's flexing and you have to stretch it back you have to fight all that muscle ronnie coleman is not like yeah he's he's just a physique guy but he's also like right up there with some of these power lifts as far as like the amount of weight that he's doing so when they cut open his fucking back and they got a fucking dude there's like two or three dudes in there that are like all right everybody suit up we're gonna go fucking cut open ronnie coleman now because you have to get to stretch his fucking muscles back over his i thought he goes to a special to hospital where they're all like fucking jacked they're in fucking <laughs> bikinis like oh, it's only one person gonna be able to put this back together <laughs> that's right it's dr look good feel good <laughs> and he, but um yeah, dude, that is. So that's what happened. I was a lot of fun. We'll put. The, I can take a picture of the postcard uh, and with the signatures on the back, and we'll tag Eddie Hall in it. Why not? Because That'll and of course, thank you, Avram, because you were so fucking nice. He was doing his best, dude. Again, it was like I could tell it was like a downtime, and uh, it was funny. Like even the pen that I had, you know, the, how we only have how our postcards only fucking felt tip works on it. Yes. I brought one of those with me. It fucking stopped working. I handed it to him. Avram went back. He went to the first guy to have him sign it. He came back. He's, it doesn't work. I'm like, are you fucking shitting me? It's like everything I was like trying to do. it's degrees. The pen probably was like, Dude, I'm not coming fuck out. fuck this shit. Yeah, it was like everything I tried that to do sucks. was just getting fucked up. So then I, I left and I was walking away and I saw a kid with a hammer and a, a Sharpie marker. And I saw him and I was like, hey kid, are you trying to get that signed by Thor? This was before I knew Thor was asleep, all right? Are you trying to get that signed by Thor? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, what if I told you right now I could have him sign that? And he's like, what? I was like, I can have him sign that. You just got to let me use that marker. I need that marker. And he's like, yeah. And the kid's are like, oh, okay. And I was like, I was like, I'm not going to steal your shit. You can come watch me. I got a baby strapped to my chest. What do you think I'm going to do, right? Right here. Shit. That's a Florida shit. article. And he unstrapped the baby. I got a free marker, motherfucker. I'm gonna sniff this and get high. Shit. He threw the baby in a trash can and ran out of there. It's like, hey, what is he doing? I'm gonna do right. And so I walk. But anyway, I go up to the fence, and on my way to the fence, dude, I'm drawing like a crowd, right? Like there's another kid. He comes walking up with his daddy. He's like, oh, did you. You're going over here trying. I'm like, fuck, dude. Like I'm just be cool, guys. Fucking everyone, be cool. Get the fuck back, right? And uh, this kid uh, got his belt signed. He had like a, a, a you know weightlifting belt, you know, the kind of fucking used to lift furniture or weights, right? Right. <laughs> he had he had his belt signed by somebody. But when I got over to Abram and then I handed him the the hammer and, and I was like, "Did you sign it by Thor?" And he's like, "Well, actually, Thor's asleep." And then he just like walked off and he's like, and the kid looked at me like really panicked. He's like, "Who's gonna sign it then?" <laughs> and he's like, "What's it? What are they gonna do with my hammer?" And I'm like, I don't know, he'll probably just have someone else sign it. Like, I don't give a shit, right? Obviously, I don't. <laughs> kid, I already hit the marker. What are you talking about? The, the, fuck, the fuck out of here, kid. <laughs> and, uh, and the kid's like, well, I guess, he's like, well, if, I mean, if uh, if, if Thor's not going to sign it, I don't really want anyone else to sign it. And I was like, hey, Abram, you, can you bring the hammer back? Loser over here to the one else to sign it. Well, you know how little kids I, are. Though, he yeah. wasn't a little kid, though. He was probably like 15 or 16, but either well, way. He is a fucking loser. I know, a fucking loser. I, I wasn't mean to him or anything. I was like, okay, I, I get it. That's why I called him back. But Abram was so nice throughout that whole thing. He could have been That's like, cool. all of you are, get the fuck out of here. No one's getting anything. You, you, you messed this up. Just be cool, right? Because that's totally, like, the vibe I was trying to give off. Like, hey, come on, guys. Like, we're over by the fence, like, past the security guards. Like, we probably shouldn't be over here. He could have, honestly, if I just walked in with him. I had a baby on my chest. We were confident. Nobody would have stopped us. Like, they wouldn't have really stopped us. And yeah. I probably could have gone in there. But I didn't want to, like, push or try to, you know, get anyone in trouble. And, like, 
I don't know, dude. I I was well, in the plus end, I really the risk that maybe they'd be like, "Are you contestant fourteen? Get out there! I'm gonna baby you. I don't care. Get those stones <laughs> up there. Get those stones up there, and then me Fuck, and the kid, I gotta do it. And then me and the kid are lifting the stones up together. <laughs> but uh, that was it, man. That was my world's strongest man. At least I got to see him pull a dump truck or two. That's cool. No, I'm glad you got to see it. I'm glad Abram, Abram was cool too. That's awesome. Yeah. This episode of Road Soda is brought to you by the Romanian Pharmacy of Value. The Romanian Pharmacy of Value recognizes one man's unwanted side effect is another man's cure. The FDA is very stringent with what they approve, and a lot of times, they are the only thing standing in the way of your relief. Well, guess who doesn't have a say in what goes on in Romania? Our value technicians will help put you in touch with the pills you need. And we don't stop with one pill. Our technicians know that sometimes the path to relief has zigs and zags. Lucky for you, they know how to get the job done. Just listen to this happy customer. I had severe to moderate eczema. So I called up the Romanian Pharmacy of Value and they recommended that I take this sleep aid with a side effect that got rid of my eczema. It was called Zolcan D. And it worked, but it gave me night terrors. I wasn't worried. They recommended another pill. It was actually a trial medication for brain cancer, but that gave me overactive bladder. And I wasn't worried about that either. All I did was consult the Romanian Pharmacy of Values on staff value technician and they gave me a cat feline sedative that put not me to sleep but my urinary sphincter and now you can bet i'm going all in for full speedo this summer thanks romanian pharmacy of value so if you have medical needs you need taken care of on a budget and you have an adventurous spirit please won't you make to call the romanian pharmacy of value a popco brand So uh, there's a you let me borrow a book a while back. It is a Chuck Polinick. Mm-hmm. I'm getting that pronunciation from his official fan website, ChuckPolinick.net, The Cult, and they literally put it out there phonetically. It says Polinick. This is kind of a tricky name. Every, I've heard it said so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Some people just have names. Polinick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you lent it to me a while back, and it took me a while because, I, I don't know, I wasn't a huge fan of it. I like his stuff. I've read a couple of his books, but I did finally finish it. I went on a cruise like two weeks ago. It is a novel from 2005. Mm-hmm. The main story centers on a group of 17 individuals who are at this writer's retreat, and the gist is they all have to tell a story. They actually... There's, there's a whole bunch of details, but the gist is they're supposed to be locked inside until one of them comes up with their magnum opus. You write something great, everyone gets freed. It ends up going the other way where the pressure of this situation drives them all into just really depraved situations. And they're all, in the end, trying to do things to... Uh, they're like, you know, we're kind of tortured and locked up here, and the worse we make it look for ourselves, the better it'll be after Right. And that becomes like the whole, you know, the whole group thought. So they're right. like torturing each other and fucking damaging the toilets and damaging the food and, dam- you know, trying to like make things harder on themselves. People die. By the end of it, um, there's not even a lot of people left. The guy, Mr. Whittier, mm-hmm. that sets the whole thing up, dies in the beginning. But then at the end, spoiler, maybe I shouldn't do a spoiler. No, nobody's going to read this if they haven't. If you're going to read The Haunted, shut this off now. I'm going to spoil it for like the next couple of minutes just because it's kind of important to the whole end of it. Yep. 
Mr. Whittier <laughs> is not dead. He says he played dead, and he was kind of keeping things going because he's been doing this retreat over and over, trying to actually... It's more of a social experiment for him. And he said that... Uh, He's been observing them through hidden cameras and keeping things going, and he informs them that their three months have passed, and they're free to leave. Nothing important happened. They're just like every other group that happened. Get the fuck out of here. You know, you guys went nuts and everything, but it's nothing special. Cannibalism and people cutting their own toes off and doing all this crazy This that happens every time, which is kind of, you know, it was right. kind of an absurd book on several levels, so that wasn't so crazy by the uh-huh. end. And then, but they don't—they're not happy with that. So they actually—he—he he picks one of the people to take with him, Miss Sneezy. And then when he leaves with her, he's like, "The doors are unlocked. You guys can leave whatever you want. Nothing great's gonna happen. Fucking go back to your lives." They kill Miss Sneezy and bring her back in, and then break the lock from the inside to try and trump the other groups and, and continue there. Something great is gonna fucking happen here, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's no writing. But they do have backstories, and one of the guys' backstory. Like, each of them have a story they do tell throughout the book. And the very first one is this guy, St. Gutfree. Um, and his story, like, it actually happened to him in the book. And in the afterword, um, Chuck Polinick explains that when he was doing his book tour, he used this particular story to read to people to, you know, to get him into the book. And he said the first time he read it, not much happened, you know, it was kind of like to a crowd that he knew. Uh, but then over the course of the book tour, he said 67 people over the course of these readings fainted during the same portion. 67. Of this story, yeah. he was. Said, I thought it was like one. No, it was like, <laughs> it was like one or two people at a reading, and then the next night it would happen again. The next night it would happen again. So I don't know if it's a comment on, like, people just want to get in on shit, or mm-hmm. if they were actually fainting or not. But I thought it was cool because... In this article that I read about it, and I think it's like the article. I think if you look up Chuck Polinick fainting guts or guts mm-hmm. is the name of the story haunted, you'll get this exact article because it's the afterword in this version of the book, which also I didn't mention, but I really liked the face on the cover of the book is like glow in the dark and it's like a, I don't know, how would you describe that? Like a, It's a negative. It's like a blurred negative of a, of a face in shock mm-hmm. and it's like... You know, the closer you get it to light, you shut the lights off. And just certain outlines of the face glow in the dark, and it's mm-hmm. actually pretty fucking creepy. Which yeah. is kind of neat, low-tech shit to do yeah, it is. on a book cover. I liked it. Um, but here was, as you, this is the doctor talking about fainting. As you faint, as your neck goes limp and your head flops, your windpipe becomes blocked and you can't breathe. To save your life, your body automatically jerks your head forward to open your throat. So I guess they're saying you... This is if you faint backwards and then it jerks you forward. Um, he used fancy terms like soft palate, but the jerk that snaps your head forward and lets you breathe, that motion carries your unaware body, heavy as meat, to the floor. Mm-hmm. If you stayed seated, you'd suffocate. So, because he's talking about in the book tour, like, you know, he's like in a Borders. No, they don't have Borders anymore. A Barnes and Nobles will well, say. Back then. In 2005, they did. Did they? Okay, so yeah. maybe... So, you know, a bookstore, there's 20 little chairs set up, and then he's reading this certain part. I can imagine what part it gets to, because he tells... And I'll get into that in a second, but he gets to a certain part, and then bam, he hears these... The, he, he called it the pre-faint noise, mm-hmm. which is like this... <laughs> no, no, it's like a... <laughs> it's, it's, it's this noise of your... It's like a... Mm-hmm. It's like probably a gross noise. And I'm sure if it was something you were listening for, and then it happened, and it's such an involuntary thing that... 
people can't. It's not that. Oh, it's. How oh, do like, I say? It's more oh. like a. It's more like a. <laughs> and then just someone hits the fucking floor. You mm-hmm. know. Which I don't. I still. I'm not. Belie- I'm not 100 sure. I believe. It. I think it was probably all women. Cause I can't. It was guys. All guys. It was, I don't I'm know. Sure if it was guys, all guys and girls. It was mostly guys. I just can't wrap my head around liter- of, about anything being said to me that would make me faint. Plus, you read the first story. Yeah, I read it. So I mean, it's not. I get it. It's, it's like it's really horrific. And I, even when I did read it, I was like, oh my god! Like it was. I get it. Like I get that it's really fucked up, but I just can't imagine anything, any spoken word making me faint. Is all I'm saying. I just can't wrap my. Maybe like a, no, a totally family member. I'm totally. Or maybe like a family member has like something happened to them, and you are explaining something. But it would have to be something directly horrible happening to like you exactly. or someone in your circle. <laughs> exactly. Not like a guy in Colombia did what? Uh. A guy I heard about. You know what he did with this guy I heard about? Well, so so now since I'm talking about it, I'm gonna yeah give you the narrator. Describes this is what is making people faint in the story, yeah, and it doesn't. Bad. It doesn't do justice because he actually does. The story does have some cool details. It has some and really I remember, cool details. Well, really I just remember awesome. reading it, and I just remember being like, "Fucking a, that's really a nasty way to put that." It's Dude. already nasty, and then the way he phrased and is like, like a condom back. full of peanut butter. I believe he said. <laughs> the narrator then describes three stories of male masturbation gone horribly awry. In the first story. An adolescent boy inserts a Vaseline-lubricated carrot into his rectum to stimulate his prostate, then in haste stashes it in a pile of laundry when he is called to dinner. Later, his mother takes the laundry away and presumably discovers the used carrot, but never mentions the incident again. Mm. That one's not making anyone faint. Um, Next, the narrator tells the tale of a young boy who, having heard that it enhances masturbatory pleasure, inserts a thin stick of candle wax into his urethra. The wax unexpectedly slips back into the boy's bladder, thereby blocking his urine flow and causing blood to seep from his penis. Because he requires expensive surgery, his parents are forced to pay to repair his bladder with the boy's college savings. That one also, there was some cringy aspects of that because he really gets into the detail of what it would take for some wax to block your fucking of bladder. Of sounding and, and stubbing, st- stuffing something down the tip of your urethra. Yeah, I mean. Ball pings on, on a, like long. Yeah. Like, yeah. What if fucking people come up with this shit? Because these are all stories that he had heard had actually happened. That's a real thing. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. And th- the third one is clearly the one. Yeah, what you're supposed to use is like a stiff piece of like metal, like a metal thing that's made for I've that. I've used a he butter was, knife, I've used pencils. Yeah, whatever the fuck I can get in there. But, <laughs> I mean, well, candle wax is the last thing. It just seems so brittle and shitty, and you got to be such a, a dumb. Like, what are the chances you're going to stick a rod of candle wax down your hog? And at least some of it isn't going to break off. I know. Like, zero. Do, do you not know zero any chance. concept? You have no concept of candle wax? I mean, fuck. <laughs> Jesus, kid. Jesus. The last one is, is probably the worst, and it's the one where he has the most fun with the with the wordplay on it. Finally, the narrator explains how he himself, again, this is St. Gutfrey telling the story about him in the mo- in the book, uh, how he himself suffered a sexual industry in- industry injury while sitting on the water intake valve, the, the filter, at the bottom of his home swimming pool while masturbating. While swimming down to the bottom of the pool to stimulate his prostate before coming up for air, a repetitive process he refers to as pearl diving, the suction from the valve causes his rectum and lower intestines to prolapse and become tangled in the filter. Ultimately, aka very quickly because he's under fucking water so he's going to make a quick decision, he finds himself stuck on the bottom of the pool and <gasps> must... <gasps> 
and must oh, knock oh. through his own innards <laughs> to free himself and avoid drowning. It is actually pretty nasty. I remember reading that. Is it? That's where he describes kind of grabbing his intestines, and he, it says it feels like a condom filled with peanut butter. Yes. Yeah. I do remember, like, kind of going back over those paragraphs and being like, it's horrific. And then the worst he, part about that whole thing is that his sister becomes pregnant. Because it was always something that he worried about when he was splooging in the fucking pool. Right. His sister would get pregnant. Which she did. And at the end, his sister was fucking pregnant. It's like, what could be worse than you lose a third of your fucking intestines in your pool or your sister actually becomes pregnant? I don't, I don't know. Because you're fucking pearl diving. <laughs> fucking psycho. Well, so anyway, <gasps> it might be worth reading. I don't know if anyone would pass out from it, but I, and I don't know if he's doing the book tour anymore. I don't. Obviously, it's nah, he's like, fourteen he's years only ago. Book, yeah, that, he's got so many books out since then. That's true. Yeah, he's not doing that. But anyway, I thought it was interesting, and I remember reading the story. I remember you telling me about that before I got the book from you, and then I was like, all right, I thought it was going to be like more of a build up at the end of the book. Then when you get to the end of the book in the afterward. He tells you that first story was the one that made it. And I went, oh, all right. I remember that was Pretty graphic, the most yeah. disturbing because, you know, it's he, it's young kids, like, damaging their lives permanently. Really even the Even that. the kid with the carrot. I, it doesn't do justice. Talk about the kid sticking the carrot up his ass. It, it looms over every family gathering. Over every Thanksgiving, it looms over. Well, you know, it's, it's not necessarily looming, but it's something that's there. And I think there are Looms. those unspoken things that are in the background yeah. of these relationships that we all have. And nobody likes those. And oh. he does a good job of discussing it as a concept. Mm-hmm. We all have our Vaseline-covered carrot up our ass. Do we all have our Vaseline-covered carrot <laughs> in our laundry? I mean, dude, that's... It, it, it is. Um, there was something about the end of the book. I, a friend of mine finished it, and he said in passing, like, it got really weird. Like, Yeah, it got over the top. It got over the top. That's what I... And I wanted to... To, to, to ask you about that, is there what did it get to the point where I was talking about like when everyone dies they go to Jupiter? No, no, that didn't happen. No, but when, like, so when people, but it gets further. Like, so it starts out with seventeen people, and then when the guy dies or they think he dies, it's because he ate this dehydrated food. They they have all these like MRIs or yeah. MREs or whatever, and they're eating all this dehydrated shit, and he eats so many, and he like explodes when he drinks water or something. I was like, that's a little foolish. But then it goes way more foolish. Like people are cutting off their fucking toes and fingers. Like there's a lady walking around with no fingers because she wants to be, you know, the the most traumatized from the fucking thing. It's kind of you know people are like damaging the toilets, damaging the heater, the the furnace and shit, so that they have to be frozen and starving. And people are dying and getting killed. Mm-hmm. It just gets over the top by the end. They end up this lady passes out from hunger and they like cut a huge chunk of her ass off and start cooking and eating it. And then she wakes up, and she's like, what the fuck? And the guy freaks out. That's probably my favorite part of it, actually, because it's so funny the way he does. And she's like, oh, my God, this food? And, like, they just cut this huge chicken breast thing out of her ass. And she gets up, and she's like, you guys are eating, and no one told me? And then as soon as she starts eating, she's like, fuck. I think I know what's happening here. She's kind of figuring it out. And she uh-huh. sits down on the couch, and he's like, blood is, as you might expect, is just hemorrhaging into the thing. And uh-huh. she starts to pass out. And the last thing she's thinking about is, am I eating my own fucking barbecued ass? And then she's dead. <laughs> oh, and, but it just gets so odd like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not even... I don't know. There's something about something like that happening. If it's so unbelievable, it's not scary. It's not funny. It just goes into a weird area. Yeah. And it it's, just doesn't... It's a Chuck area. And a Chuck town. It's a Chuck area. There you go. You're <laughs> definitely in Chuck town at that point. 
And then it's not satisfying at the end. The, the ending... So there's nothing about people dying and people... Like, when you die, you go to Jupiter? That doesn't... You know what my favorite story actually was of the thing? There was a... There's nothing about them going <laughs> right. to Jupiter. Okay. okay. There might have been, like, some... I'm just wondering, because there's... References. There's, like, a... It was... He said something about... It was, like, it came down to... Like, when everyone dies, like, their souls go to Jupiter or something like that. And The coolest thing, actually, in the whole book mm-hmm. was the story of the Nightmare Box. Mm-hmm. The lady who was the assistant of the guy who runs the whole thing, she's only there because she had euthanized her daughter. And when she, she actually tells multiple stories. It wasn't like each person got their story. At some point, it's like every other story is hers. And her daughter is at an art event, and she, they have this thing. It's called the Nightmare Box. It's constantly running. It's constantly running. But when it stops... You look inside, you get to see something. It only stops and lets you look for like one second. Mm-hmm. And it tells the history of people that have looked into it. And like their fucking lives go, they go catatonic and their lives go south. And I love shit like that because those are like the really the only unexplored things. When they leave it up to you to figure out what is the monster there? What would it be? What right. could it be? And he did a pretty good job with that. But then, you know, he just, I think he went a little too far. He should have just Chucked kind of, it. Cause should have left it. Chucked it. Because it's kind of a cool concept, right? right? There's this thing that's always clicking. No one gets to look into it. It's at an art gallery. Just six years, it's there. And then she just happens to be like, oh, and they're like, oh, why don't you look inside? Which is bullshit. If it was clicking all that time and you knew that was a story, you'd be like, get the fuck out of the way. I want to look. Mm-hmm. And she just happens to look and then, right, you know, everything fucking goes south. It was kind of neat. But that was, that was haunted and, um, you know... I thought it was pretty interesting. Well, that's good. I, I, yeah, I have the only reason I recommended it to you is because I know you like the vignettes, the, the stories within a story, and that's essentially <laughs> what that was. Uh, that was the only reason I recommend because I didn't even finish the book myself. I read like half of it, not even, and then that was about all I could muster. Just I couldn't. Yeah. It just wasn't doing anything for me, man. I know. <laughs> I, I'm but I, th- I gave it to you thinking you might enjoy it, and uh, I'm uh, the fact that you finished it was pretty. That's your life's work. Greg, there it is. That was the whole thing. That just happened just like that before you knew it and it was already done. What did you learn? What did I learn? I learned a little bit in this episode, actually. The the plane crash thing, that was interesting to me. People, I I find that there is love if you survive a plane crash. Luckily, it wasn't yeah. just like two dudes because that's gross. You gotta that's get not love. You gotta, but you gotta get married though. What are you gonna <laughs> you do? You gotta it's get dramatic. married. Then you gotta wait till it's legal and like, well, you can't have a kid. Do they have a kid together? They have kids. Ugh, even worse. Well, what do you learn? I learned. Well, I was gonna talk about the things that you taught me, but you already talked about the things you taught me. <laughs> so I learned that uh, a lot of people have. So I'll talk about some things that I taught you. Uh, a lot of people have horns on their heads. Um, that I did that not was something know that. that was that actually is alarming. Yeah, it's alarming. Yeah, it's actually a space that's growing for the plug that they're gonna jam in there, Matrix style. So don't <laughs> worry about it. <laughs> I also learned that uh, the world's strongest man can pop up at any time, in any place, and uh, in any town. I learned that. Pop up anywhere. They're, you never know where they're at. Monsters. Monsters! The real monsters lurking. I learned that Haunted didn't end with people dying and going to Jupiter. As somehow I thought they that was like the end of the book. Maybe yeah, I'm I was trying to something. think what that might have come from. Yeah, I don't have no idea. 
It did get wacky at the end, but I don't remember that. I think it's out there, out there in left field. That's Chuck Palahniuk, though. He, he wrote a couple books after that that I was really into. Uh, Rant was one of them, and I think Rant you might would be another one that I would um, recommend to you just because it's it's written in another fashion of like a bunch of things coming together. So it's, a, it's like a bunch of people telling the story of one person. So it's not just like one continuous novel thing. And I know, I know how much you like your vignettes. <laughs> um, but that one was really good. Yeah, I learned that it's easier than you think to put a podcast together for a year straight. And you know what? We were going to be at this point in our time in life anyway. This day was going to come. We were going to be here. Why not have done a podcast that whole time up to this point? That's right? right. Why not? We already did it. doesn't matter. We're already here. We've done it. And you should do the same thing with the things in your life that you're too pussyfoot to start because, you know, oh, I can't do it because it's so it takes so long to just fucking do it. A journey of 10,000 ru begins with a single step. And ru is a Japanese word for like a... It's like a mile and a half. You can't talk to multilingual on me now. I that's just, just the same. You just almost sounded like the speech from Three Migos where we all have our own El Guapos. El Guapos? In our case, it's a big dangerous guy that wants to kill us. Right. You guys, uh, I think... Greg, what do you have to say? Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to the Terrible Twos with Road Soda and I hope you are all on board and uh, we look forward to sending postcards out all over the world and uh, keep the feedback coming in and we'll keep it going out don't you have one more thing you want to i do i do and this one's very important because it didn't happen for me this week and i really paid the price do yourself a favor finish your day when you need to in a timely fashion stuff can wait till tomorrow not your sleep get yourself enough sleep Go to, will, bed. go to bed. It will change It'll your change fucking your fucking life. life. Holy shit! It will. 